You are now listening to Well, Well, well Phila Now. Like, oh my god, did she just murder him? <laughs> oh no, his pussiness. Misandry. <laughs> yes, misandry. Oh, poor man. Ladies, serial killers are the best. Well, she's never going to get that stain out. Nothing says it's over like running over your ass. It had to be a woman. It had to have been a woman. Are you wearing it? How big were her breasts? <laughs> Hello, everyone. Hello. What's up, hoes? All my villanelles <laughs> hoes out there. How are you guys doing? Nico Hive. Mm, Nico How are Hive. You guys? Nico Hive. Boost, this is for you. All of you people out there who loved Nico Palastri, you loved that stash. You loved what he brought to the table for Eve and for life. You enjoyed him and Dom, perhaps. And you are heartbroken. You are sad. You are destroyed because Nico's dead. Well, you know what? Let Celine comfort you, okay? She's got a beautiful voice. It's very melodious. Let it calm you. Let it soothe you. Okay, Nico's right now. He's on the screen. He's got his hands on his hip. He looks so happy and proud of the fact that he left Eve behind only for that bitch to show up just for him to die. To die with the last image in his mind, his fucking rude wife. And him knowing, bitch, you did this to me. Bitch, you did this to me. Anyways. Well, you know, we did say till death do us part, Nico. So that's that's how that goes. To... <laughs> <laughs> oh, Nico, you're dead. And I can't say that I'm upset about it at all. If you guys were on the live with us, you know that I I was hoping, I was wishing, I was praying for Nico's demise. And I was hoping that it wouldn't come from Villanelle. And that is what I got. So I'm fucking happy about that. There may or may not have been a dance party that was directly connected to the You, you especially. I you mean, had a very big, huge dance party. Mm. Well, you know, I, I know somebody out there is sad about Nico, but you know who's not? Me. Cut, cut the music. <laughs> cut the music. <laughs> cut the fucking music. I'm like, where the party music at? May 20. I just gave Nico Hive whiplash. They're like, really, bitch? <laughs> really, bitch? Nope. Yes. Yes, really, because I have been waiting for this since series one. Mm-hmm. And he didn't really understand that Eve liked a little pain with a pleasure. And I knew he had to go then, that their relationship was doomed then, that their marriage was a farce then. And sadly for Nico, Eve couldn't leave him the fuck alone, which is why he's dead. Had she left him the fuck alone, Nico would be alive. And as usual, selfish Eve Pilastre has taken another body indirectly because she is so preoccupied with what she wants that she doesn't fucking give a damn about what anybody else wants. Unless, of course, perhaps maybe it's Villanelle. Oh, very true. And consistently, consistently true. Wow. Yes. Ever since, uh, what was that, episode uh, seven where it was, oh, he's dead? Well, there goes that lead. I was like, wow, wow, Eve. Wow. And that's been the energy. I say Eve's been that way <laughs> from episode one. She actually hasn't had much empathy. One of the interviews I saw with Sally Wooder Gentle and some of the other Killing Eve creators about this episode, it's just sort of the truth that Nico had to go down and that his relationship with Eve was actually horrific and horrible and abusive from her side, from the gaslighting, from the actual physical abuse, from the lack of attention and just the straight up dishonesty that she had that realistically, poor Nico, because <laughs> that was one of the questions in the article. They were like, oh, it sounds like a lot of people working for Killing Eve feel bad. They sympathize with Nico. And they're like, yeah, well, Nico has a, had a pretty shitty marriage, a pretty shitty wife for years. And really what he just needed was to get off to escape. But she can even let him have that. And that's why him and his stash are dead. Thank you, Dasha. 
Tasha, I was hoping I would get to see you do a kill this series. And you you did the best one, which yeah. was Nico. And you removed the responsibility from Villanelle, which is so great for me. It's what I wanted because now it means that Eve and Villanelle can unite together to repay Dasha and the 12 and whoever else decided that this was an option that needed to be pursued. Oof. I mean, everybody has their... Uh deniability or at least plausibility to be like well that's not what I told her to do and that's not what I told her to do but the people just chose to infer what they wanted because they were trying to do the thing that would make the people who they respond to happy so I mean good luck getting someone to listen because you know it's not my pro- it, w- it's, it wasn't my idea it never is like we're tired of the excuses right now as these uh as an Eve Palastri and as a villain, we're tired Speak of these yourself. Pieces. I'm not tired of any of these male murders. I love it. I've been waiting. I've been hoping. I've been wishing. Since the preseason snacks, I said, get Nico Palastri out of here. And he is gone. He has a pitchfork through his neck. <laughs> and unfortunately for him and his family, they're going to be very upset. Very upset. I'm like, so... Eve, you just showed up. And on the very same day you show up, Nico gets murdered. Right. Okay. This is why your fucking ass should have stayed in England. This is why you should have never come the fuck over here. This is why he was divorcing you, Eve Balastri. I wonder who calls emergency. There's no emergency to call. He's dead. You call the morgue. Look at this small town. There's no point in calling a doctor. Like, the pulse is gone, visibly. That you just call the other person that deals with the bodies. And hopefully he's buried somewhere next to his babushka or whoever is back there. Oh, by the pigs? Yes, oh, no. the other palastries. Whatever their lot is, their plot, their family plot. He's home. So hopefully he can be buried, period, and not eaten by pigs. Like his unfortunate auntie or whoever the fuck that was he was delivering bread to because she's gone. Just a piece of her wrist or hand or whatever in the slop. Right. Wow. <laughs> Well, Dasha was very smart. She was like, how do I get rid of this evidence? Easy, easy. Feed it to the pigs. And that worked. Well, I mean, with this episode, if you guys were able to follow it on the first go round, kudos to you. Uh, It took me maybe one or two or maybe a few more times of just looking at everything to but get to get But also didn't some... have something to do with your excessive drinking, sir. Okay, my... Hey. The daunting I mean, that was happening, sir. Drinking helps some people focus. <laughs> maybe not me, but You and Eve Palastri. But right. I'm I'm asleep. I, that was a that was shade, and I love that you just took it. That you just took that Eve shade I just gave you. Listen, because Eve has no self control in her life. And that was evident this episode. If Zero no self control. It was evident this episode. She started on, on a high horse, and then these are the same people. Look, I, I'll I'll not skip ahead. Or is it? Lord why? knows you love to skip but, ahead, but thankfully Mo, or unthankfully for you, Agent Mo did not appear this episode, so you have nowhere directly to uh, skip ahead to, like you did last week. What's the first scene? Mo, Mo, his reflection, so handsome. <laughs> So for us to be able to get to the highs and well, the highs and lows and the from before and after Nico's gets pierced in the throats, um, we'll we'll uh, take a quick second to just look at all of these events um, just one more again without the commercials, just to get it solid. And then after that, you, watch, are you okay? Uh, maybe a little drunk still. <laughs> oh gosh, you guys. Send thoughts and prayers for me, please. It'll be retroactive because by the time you hear this, it will be done. But I just, in the, if you could just tell other you from Earth 32 to retroactively <laughs> send me those thoughts and prayers, I would appreciate it. Well, uh-huh. so I guess we should go and check out this episode again entitled well, Still, still got, got It and Still Got What. But 
Well, we'll discuss that when we get back, and we will be right back. We are back. We okay. are back. And Nico's still, still dead. dead. <laughs> so, what should have been a warning sign and a red flag to most people is especially how the episode began, where we just get. <laughs> oh, is that rude? Is that rude? I mean, it might not be rude. That's for Dasha. <laughs> well done. Miss still got it. Well it's done. rude, but I did it anyway. So we're going to take this episode from the top, which is, I mean, I guess for all events and purposes, this is, we're just going to go in the order that they gave it to us and we'll try to That's what get we you. always do. No, right? but well, it, it makes more sense on other types of episodes versus this one where things do Well, I mean, it kind themselves. of, it kind of gives a slower reveals for certain things because you see one thing and literally from the first scene which is nico which is all the scenes that we saw him in the trailer that's why i said we don't see nico again that he's dead that something happened because why else show us right away that eve is going to arrive and that he's going to see her but then we don't see what actually happens of that meeting until the end so right it's good right good direction also who wrote and directed this episode this is a laura neal episode uh, the director's name, I did not see on my thing. Cool. Well, if Laura was the writer, Miranda Bowen, as I believe I mentioned last episode, was the director also again for this episode of Killing Eve. We love to see the women, the creative women, flexing. And as we open up, as you said, we get Nico and those minutes that we've seen ever since April 1st, when they decided to show us the, the moment we've all been waiting for and. You know what? Maybe they weren't fooling after all. <laughs> I don't know when, what moment you're talking about. What moment April were we all 1st, waiting for? When they said the moment we've all been waiting for. And they you're gave about Nico the April his Fool's own. Post? Right. They gave Nico his own trailer. I knew then that Nico wasn't long for this world. I'm actually just surprised they did it and it wasn't Villanelle. Oh. So we get him out of his truck. This guy takes a selfie. Suzanne said misandry for series three. Sorry, but people have been saying it. There have been whispers. So some of us, some of us have been prepared <laughs> for what Suzanne was going to do to the majority of these dude characters. Well, let's hope that this isn't the end of the station and that there's at least one or two more dudes who meet their end before the end of the series. We shall see, Jamie. So again, we get Nico out of his truck. He takes a selfie. We hear a uh, bike bell. From behind him, there's greetings. He is selling bread. But I guess when your life has taken such a turn the way his did, selling bread and getting up every day is an accomplishment. I'm sure his therapist that he was texting up until his death was like, I'm so proud of you, Nico. <laughs> I'm so proud of you. That selfie looks great because he sent it to somebody who wasn't Eve. I'm convinced. Uh, he makes uh, the first stop on film uh, with a, um, a customer who's like, oh, I just always knew that you'd be back. And he's like, well, no, this is just getting me off my feet. This is temporary. And we do a cut to Nico in a bar where the Spartan is giving him these eyes, asking, would you like another drink? 
He says yes, and it's not really reluctant because he keeps like leering and with his eyes it be? Over It's her. been six months since he has even had the opportunity to have any kind of romantic loving from Eve Palastri. Why shouldn't he look at another bitch with locks? I say, good, Nico, and it's too bad for you that you probably couldn't get a little sum in before you died. Like, Jamie. Mm. I'm sure Jamie would ask that question. Oh, was he seeing someone? Oh, did he have a last <laughs> toss? Oh, great. <laughs> Fucking Jamie. He did not get to have a last toast, sadly, <laughs> for Nico. So, oh well for him. I also want to note the song that was playing at this time called Dear Diary by the Moody Blues. Excellent song choices made this episode by Killing Eve. And while the lyrics don't actually apply to the show, Dear John, if anyone's familiar with any of these vintage fucking comedies, it makes me laugh because the whole concept of a Dear John letter is like, by the time <laughs> you find this letter, I'll, I'll be, be gone. gone. Exactly. And Nico's gone. <laughs> Nico's gone. Oh, and of course, his phone is lighting up. Yeah, Eve Palastri uh, is texting him. So I don't know if Way her too much. senses is tingling because he's looking at another woman or what, but... I'm convinced that was Eve on the bus in. because of the weird time things. That is Eve on the bus. That is Eve on the bus. She don't got no, no fucking tingles. <laughs> if Eve had tingles, she would have tingles about Gemma. She did not. She did not know Gemma she even existed not. until she was at that fucking PTA meeting that or whatever the fuck. And I, um, there are a bunch of gentlemen there watching uh, a ball game. And I don't know if a team is doing some great winning thing or if the other team like did a Lord. forfeit or there was a loss. Why? Why, God? And all of a sudden he is grabbed up from the bar and they're all doing some sort of uh, cheering, jeering of things. This is... Uh, let me close out this scene. Nico is in a sports situation. He is whooping it up with the other dudes at the bar. And before we hard cut out of there, we see Dasha. Dasha is in costume because she usually looks fab in her cat print. And this time she is dressing her age, quote unquote, because she's got this little fucking hair tie thing on. And she is trying to look old and feeble. It feels like just not really stand out as someone special. And she's got her eyes on Nico. And we're like, uh-oh. And then I felt like it was confirmed that Nico was going down because there's no way Dasha <laughs> is in Poland just to be like, oh, hey, let me try to talk to you. No, she's there to do the murder. And I'm just happy I was able to see it. And as soon as you recognize that it was Dasha, we get the Killing Eve card. It was pink and yellow title card is my favorite. I was like, merch, merch colors. I really like the color combinations. And we clip to a scene of Eve in a sleeping bag, but on a sofa. And then we get Eve's card says Eve. And uh, she gets up and she gets to the washroom and it's... Wait a minute. Slow down. Eve wakes up in a tee and some boxers. After she gets out of the sleeping bag on that dirty couch, she stuffs said sleeping bag behind the couch, <laughs> which maybe implies that she's been there for more than one night because she has a motherfucking routine. And then she goes into the nasty bathroom at the Bitter Pill, which doesn't look like they have maintenance. Doesn't look like they have people to clean the bathroom because I feel like when you're in buildings that have bathrooms that are maintained, they basically always look new, especially a business building because that's, that what, that's literally what you're paid to do. So why the Bitter Pill bathroom looked like it was CBGB's when it was still open? I don't understand. Um, wow. I just realized that some people may not know CBGB's. CBGB. Lord. Right. R.I.P. Oh, wow. R.I.P. to one of the dirtiest, Actually. bestest dive bars <laughs> where I have memories from. But yeah, while she's in there and trifling, and she should be trifling. I mean, I, I don't, I, what kind of stays were on the couch? And she starts to look at herself like, oh, girl, let me, let me smell this over right. here. Mm, I don't she's know. Like, I can't wow. really tell. Right. Let me smell my hair. Oh, I don't really know. Let me brush my teeth here in the sink. And it's pretty, it's pretty bad. It's, and of course, bad. who interrupts her? Dread. Right. Dread. But luckily, Dread plant. didn't come in when she was like, 
in the blow dryer, the hand dryer. Because oh, that would have been like, you know, this isn't what this looks like. It's because- so bad. She does spend some time studying her face, though, like Villanelle does when we finally get to her, where she's looking at her bruise. And then you know she's immediately taken back to the kiss, immediately mm-hmm. taken back, because she's just there thinking, looking, until, of course, Dread interrupts her reverie <laughs> to remind us all that she is likely a plant and she's hiding the bug in her one <laughs> braid, her one <laughs> French braid that's always there. The bug is in there. And that is what's going on until I find out otherwise. And so when when Dredd is in the bathroom on her call, Eve's just like, you know what? I guess I'm done. I mean, I mean, I smell the freshest. Oh, wait, but she suddenly gets a text from Nico, too. She gets a text from Nico while she's in the bathroom, which we then later learn it's motherfucking Dasha. But she does get one of those texts. I think it was, I think paraphrasing, it says something like, okay, so you want to talk. And it was that first of texts she sent to Eve, or I'm listening, let's talk. And Eve is way way too eager way too eager and here's what i want to point out that the show has done specifically if no one's noticed and i'll point it out when it happens again is that eve has a moment a thought a series of moments where she's thinking about villanelle she's thinking about villanelle intensely then something will happen to pivot directly to nico and it's mm. i think it feeds into the safety blanket stuff because it's literally there to assuage her conscience i'm thinking about villanelle these thoughts besides fucking with my petticoats also make me feel unethical and not like a good person Oh, let me flip it back to the polar opposite, which is Nico, because every single time Eve is confronted with the memory of Villanelle, whether it's the cake or something else, literally something from Nico or quote unquote, what's supposed to be Nico is Dasha comes in to remind her, oh, hey, you have this other thing. And so even though it takes all episode to get to the death of Nico, I love it because that is the permanent removal of that escapism that she has. Oh, Villanelle is here in my mind. Let me just, let me just escape and text Nico or let me just go over here and try to see about Nico. Now that is not possible. It is gone. And I think it's interesting that the writers and director, or I guess one director, Miranda, of these past two episodes have been leaning on that juxtaposition. Eve is thinking about Villanelle and then immediately next she's thinking about Nico and we can see the the contrast in how Sandro plays it. Anyway, just thought that was interesting that they were doing with Eve Palastri this episode yet again. I'm wondering if that's going to be something that they try to maintain and there'll be a Nico's new crutch. Dead. Then there'll be a new crutch. The same way how no, we had Hugo. I Hugo delete your Palastri theory. Nope, nope, nope. I delete your Palastri theory because I've maintained this entire time that Nico's the last blanket. So you can't say, what if they bring in another blanket? No, Terrence. Then my, my dark Eve rising doesn't happen if another blanket can be brought in. It has to be the person who has been the blanket. And once they're gone, they are done. You cannot replace. That's like saying you have a best fucking friend. That friend fucking dies. Are you going to replace that friend? Impossible. No, the void is there and it is there forevermore. You cannot replace people like that. And so once Eve has Nico out the paint, my hope is all that was good and left and decent, that whole part of her just has to also wither and die with Nico because there's literally no one else who will remember that version of Eve. No one. Nico was the one to remind her, hey, bitch, you're good. Hey, bitch, you're empathetic. Hey, bitch, do you really want to be working at MI6? Because I don't feel like this is you. And the whole time Eve was like, but this is me. You don't know me. So... Nico's gone. The only other person that was doing that was Kenny. And then if you want to say someone else differently, Bill. Oh, I don't see you as this dangerous person. I see you as this fun-loving coworker. So all those people are out the paint. Nico was the last one. Eve is done. There are no blankets. There are no blankets left. It's over for Eve. And I hope, hashtag Dark Eve Rising, that she kills Dasha and lets Villanelle watch. Because, well... I don't think O's are far behind if that goes down. After Eve leaves the bathroom, she finds herself at the desk. She's not at anybody's desk. She's not at Kenny's old desk. She's at uh, Red's desk. And she's eating Cocoa Puffs 
and she looks like she's trying to refresh a page. And then she goes to sniff her hair and and Red's right behind her and he's like, uh, you're in my chair. And Eve does this quick retort like, well, I thought y'all guys hot desk here. He's like, well, yeah, we do. And this, and this is, is after desk. we see Jamie arguing for some reason. I imagine it was there for a reason because they made sure for us to notice the foley of Jamie on the phone having some sort of altercation discussion with someone. And Dredd is exiting the office at the same time this is happening when we see Eve sitting at Bear's desk. That's all sort of like in the thing. So who knows if Ooh. Jamie being in strife will come back, but they did make sure to write the action in, film it so we could see it, and then transition from that and Dredd coming out the room into Eve sitting in Bear's desk eating his Cocoa Puffs, where he was like, girl, what? Those are, that's my cereal that I dry eat with my lack of self-control <laughs> at work. So yeah, she pulls up another chair and slides right next to him. Oh, um, let's see, are there any other leads based on the data that we got? Like, no, the leads are all dried up because, you know, the one guy that we were tracing, he's dead. And um, she's like, well, what about the other kills? And this is after she has to ask for her Cocoa Puffs because oh, right. I feel like Turns is missing all of the sad, messy, dirty things of Eve. But I have to highlight the fact that she is dirty and messy in someone else's chair, stuffing her face with someone else's cereal. He had to stare at her for five fucking seconds where he was like, yo, bitch, um, can I get my cereal and my seat? And she was like, oh, I guess. And he was like, so you want to ask me about my cereal? Like, do you want to, do you, would you like to have some? She was like, yeah, I mean, I, I, I would like to have some. He was like, okay, well, here. Because you look really sad and pathetic. But I'm really also upset that you're invading my personal space like this consistently, Eve Pilastri. And Eve Pilastri has no awareness of what she's doing. You said she pulled up a chair. She pulled up a chair from about um, 24 feet away because the chair was all the way on the other side of the office. And she rolled up like that scene in Men in Black with Will Smith when he <laughs> stretches the table to take the test. And it's like, Eve, what are you doing? You slept in these people's office. You don't have an actual job. You were not employed. And you were just lazing about. Like, you have the fucking right. That's why Eve, she has no chill and no time for anyone. And that's what I feel like this was showing because she was so fucking rude in a way that other people couldn't get away with or shouldn't get away with oh, well, because, right. wow. That, that makes her very Eve in that way. And when she tries to bring up the other kills to see if there are connections uh, besides the kill that was unrelated in uh, Spain, we find out that um, the first kill with the um, paprika was... Uh, of an individual who used to incite organizational well, we, violent protests. We knew that the two, both women had political affiliations. It was only Felix's kill. Right. Where they said he was like some CEO of, I don't know if it was transmitters, but it was some factory thing that he was the CEO of. So who knows how it all ties in, but it seems like for right now, he's the outlier because they don't know of any direct connections to him in this in Spain, period. That's what they said. They're like, we don't have any connections to Spain. <laughs> so that's weird. But he's definitely in this group of murders connecting to whatever. And before he can even try to marinate on what he's discovering, he's like, what's that smell? Because the smell hits him like a ton of bricks. Well, and you also <laughs> have to mention that Eve is she starts to put her hair up. So I think it's implied that the smell is coming from her pits. And just like when you expand your body and <laughs> mist and things can it escape. <laughs> Which is real. I'm just like, damn, Eve, this is where we are? This is where we are? Baby girl, baby girl, this is where we are? She was like, I that you can lift things. up your arms and a bear right next to you can be like, bitch, what the fuck is that? And here's Eve. I don't smell anything. I don't smell anything. And then she tries to pivot and she's like, wait, but there's something about this kill that's familiar to me. Like, So she's looking at the powder kill and she's like, I've seen something like this before. Something 
and here comes too. Red again, interrupting her. Wait, what's that? Eva was so full of shit on, oh, I don't know what the smell is. Girl, you were just in the bathroom with the smell. And I would just like to do a little throwback to someone who always knew Eve was a liar from series two. You guys might remember this motherfucking. How's your boyfriend handle it? Oh, he hates it. The liars are now the glue keeping the whole sorry show on the road. Oh, I'm not a good liar. Duh. You are a good liar, aren't you? Hey! <laughs> I just flipped the switch. Eve's face. She's like, what? Bitch, what? I don't know if you guys remember that ridiculous when I was trying to make memes before I gave up on how long it was taking me to do them because I just. I'm too extra. But that was one of the deleted scenes from series two from Jess. That was like probably one of my favorite, if not my favorite deleted scene of that series, which was Eve having small talk with Jess talking about, I'm not even a good liar, you know? And Jess just met this home. And she was like, oh, but aren't you? But aren't you though? Aren't you? I mean, I've spoken to Carolyn, aren't you? And Eve just looking at her like, oh my God. <laughs> so, um, Bear, Eve is a liar and she can smell herself and she she's just got gauchery. She's embarrassed <laughs> and she doesn't want to acknowledge what's happening. And then he smells himself just in case. He's like, well, maybe it's, maybe, maybe I'm the, I mean, it wasn't, it was bare. He, it's he, always he good checked. to check yourself, but right. at the same time. So now Eve tries to do this pivot where she's looking and trying to recall where she's seen the powder type of kale before because she remembers it. From like recollection. She and remembers this it is... from her book of women assassins that she used. <laughs> I would say it was her spank bank book, but it was probably her knob hopping book. But she knows. And she's one of those people that probably has an encyclopedia Britannica of women killers and who falls where. The, the last spectrum. time I see one of those was a uh, serial mom, Kathy Turner. She definitely had near her nightstand. I want to say she was looking at different serial killers nightly. That was that was something. Mm. Uh, so Bear kind of cuts her off and is like, "What? What's that?" And he was like, "What? What are you talking about? Like that? Those?" And she looks down her ankle. Eve looks down her ankle. We see the New Balance, but we're not supposed to look at the New Balance. We're supposed to be looking at the panties. That Plenty is of people <laughs> wear New Balance and don't feel the embarrassment <laughs> that should accompany those shoes. But it's mostly about her underwears, her panties, her pantalones, and their dirty panties, actually. Because that's <laughs> the gaucheries that involve themselves with Eve Palastri at this time in her life. And it's hanging out her fucking pant leg, y'all. And I'm just trying to understand how, Eve... How are you so out of touch with what's happening in life that you don't know that your undies are hanging out your fucking jeans? And I was also like, Eve, so does that mean you are you are free? You are free. Uh, guys say free dog in it, but she is flying free. She is pantalone free. And I'm just like, okay, well, that's the way to go. But also, if you're if you're going free, if you're going pantyless, how do you not know that you did not fully pull the panty? the underwear from thine ankle to then do it. And because Eve, again, is not trying to impress any man because she doesn't fucking care. She just pulls out her dirty underwear from her leg and tosses it in the bin for Bear to see. Right. And he's like, bitch, no! I've not been this close to women's panties in the longest That's rude. time. That is rude. Bear probably has someone in his life, okay? Objection! I object. Bear has a love of his own, okay? I object. That's how he can smell nasty things where Eve is like, oh, I don't even know. What's that smell? Lord. Is this because Eve has no laundry, you guys? Like, does the bitter pill not have a washing dryer, just a couch? And I just, how was she... How? <laughs> just how? Did Villanelle steal what was left of her undies back in the apartment? Just, like, what? Eve, 
You could just go to a dollar store. I know the UK got a dollar right, store somewhere. I know they do and too. pick up a piece of undie or just like create a self-made diaper. Just get a piece of silk and do something with yourself. But the fact that the, the panty was just there and you had no embarrassment whatsoever about that. I will say that I am living my best Eve Palastri life just watching her be this horrific, but it's also wow. Wow, 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 Eve. Wow. So Eve tries to do yet another pivot and it's like, no, seriously, like it was like the Olympics. Like she's like definitely trying to narrow down. She's going to talk about her underwear <laughs> situation and how she doesn't have any left. She doesn't uh, want to talk about that. And then here comes uh, Audrey who's like, oh, here, Eve, you can sign for this. This came for you. Oh yeah, she gets a cake box and mm-hmm. immediately she has this expression on her face that is a callback to in series two when she gets the flowers from Villanelle when Villanelle is preparing to kill her in the most extravagant way and she pulls her hair back behind her ears and she looks really so happy initially but after thinking about it for a second probably knowing that no one else literally no one else in the world would send her anything for her birthday besides a Villanelle or perhaps her auntie who probably isn't talking to her right now because she left that fucking job that her right. auntie got for her and she's like you couldn't even call the bitch to say you was done Eve what's going on with you and so i just think it's ridiculous and way too cute that eve's only present if we don't count that weird piece of edible thing meat cookie i'm not sure what it was that jamie gave her that is her only present the only present the only acknowledgement she really got for her birthday without some sort of provocation from someone seeing the cake is from her girlfriend villanelle and i just that's probably why she regrets (laughs) tossing the cake after the fact but right like oh i guess i just will do any celebrating Right. So <laughs> so it looks like Bear went for the side of the box to lift it and Eve kind of stops him to stop the lift. Not your business. Right. And then so he's like, is it your birthday? She, of course, is not answering. She lifts up the box and he's like, hey, everyone, it's Eve's birthday. And she takes the box and now she's exiting she runs away. the scene. He's like, you know, it's, it's plot to, to share the, the, the cake. Bear likes a good snack. He has them everywhere with his Haribos and his boxed cereal. So why wouldn't he want a piece of cake? It's a big old box. But he probably is just going to be stuck with the impression that Eve is greedy. She's selfish. She (laughs) eats cereal. She steals gummies. And she has no respect for anyone else. And we see Eve make it to the roof. And of course, the cake goes down. She wants it to go down up until it does. And then she regrets it immediately. She's probably like, I should have tasted the icing. I probably should have seen what kind of cake it was so I could then talk to her later about it and say, oh, was this my favorite flavor? Because it probably was my favorite flavor. Because that's the kind of research that Villanelle does. And of course, it's not but a hop, skip, and a jump before Jamie appears on the roof. Stalking! And being annoying like he always is. Is it really a birthday? She's, She's like, whatever. <laughs> don't I don't want to talk about it. And he's like, okay, well, um, here's something. You have to stop sleeping on the couch. And here's Eve like, she's like, oh, what? Like that meme where you're just staring straight ahead or like the girl from the divorce court. Oh, when they were like, oh when God, was the last time yes. you saw that guy? She was like, oh, and he was like, this morning. This mor- and she this was just staring morning. straight forward. That's Eve staring straight forward like, oh, me on the couch? Did you guys find my, my sleeping bag? Squished in between the couch and the wall? And of course, Eve doesn't acknowledge it. And he's like, well, listen, bitch, I can't have you sleeping here. Like, I can't have you sleeping on the couch. I mean, this is, what's Bear going to do? What's Bear going to do? When he needs to take a nap. And Eve suddenly feeling majorly embarrassed. is like, you know what? It's fine. I'll find someplace else. It's fine. I'll find someplace else. And he tries to walk away. And I love that Jamie's like, but where homeless ass? Like, but where homeless? (laughs) Where are you going? This is Eve or her. I'm going home. I like, know. Like, what do you mean? Like, oh. like when Villanelle was like, but where? We're home. You don't got a home. Your home is here with me. And so Jamie reads her to Felth and it's ridiculous because he's like, girl, you have nowhere to go. And after that, we cut, hard cut to Jamie's place where he apparently has children who don't stay with him. And we find out because he has issues with ketamine, that's probably why his kids are not home. Mm-hmm. Middle of the day, middle of the day, kids are supposed to be home. 
No kids were there. It was an empty bunk bed. So I'm like, is this just a, a legacy? Is this an artifact from when you used to be a good dad, Jamie? But because right. you did too much ketamine at the zoo, your kids have been taken away by your ex-wife and mm-hmm. or CPS, and that's probably what you deserve. So that means every single time we thought that you were uh, arguing on behalf of maybe someone on your staff, you were probably talking to either an attorney or <laughs> or not your baby mama. I don't think you yelling at her at work, but maybe. I don't. Oh. I don't think that the the writers would bother to have him yelling about his kid or his wife. I mean, maybe they were trying to do that for context. I didn't really see the lines, but I doubt that you're on your office phone yelling like that Luther style where you're just losing yourself and got everyone in your business because everyone could hear. Why would he want everyone to hear what's going on with his baby mama? No, that sounds like some work shit, hopefully. Because right. otherwise, what, what's happening at the workplace? I would be like, HR, HR, <laughs> get me like, out of here. kind of messy. It's too messy. And then uh, when she sees the bunk bag, she's like, oh, I didn't know you had uh, dependents. <laughs> like, it's a very villanelle answer. And uh, when she goes to sit down, she, of course, smacks. She hits her head like we've seen in the Ouch. preview a number of times. With those little um, Super Mario Brothers. Those were uh, cute sheets. I like the sheets a lot. So she's like, okay, well, thanks for this little twin bed that you're giving me. And we hard cut again to the evening time and her and Jamie are hanging out. And there was a lot of concern from you guys and the fandom at large as to what Eve was going to be getting up to because we know her penchant for hopping on knobs when she's thinking about Villanelle. I was hoping that this would be a moment for her to display some motherfucking growth. And it kind of was because she just talked to him. She just spoke to him. She opened up a little bit about her truth and the ridiculous things she's done. And he's like, oi, Eve, I'm a shitty person too. I've dealt with addiction. And they bond. But that's after they start bonding after Jamie once again insults her. And he's just like looking at her and he's like, look, you look like a sad teenager you just look like some sad (laughs) pathetic teenager and eve is just like okay well you know what you don't know what it's like to destroy your own life okay when you destroy your own life the way i did maybe you might understand looking like a sad teenager and he's like oh i do i do understand eve actually i do i do know what it's like to ruin your life i peed in the shower this morning yeah i was like what kind of i was like that's i guess that's a way to start and then eve says something like "Eh, i've never bought the big issue and he's like oh you can do better than that and i'm like okay but you started with pesto you could have started with the ketamine story you could have just led with you taking your kids to the zoo and being high on ketamine but that's not what you did but after about a beat passes eve finally divulges i was unfaithful to my husband and i put him in so much danger he was in the hospital with PTSD. <laughs> I mean, that was, that was kind of fucked up, Eve. <laughs> Woo! Eve, you know you didn't give a fuck about his PTSD because it only mattered when Gemma, when Gemma was dead. Because that whole entire time he was like, Eve, you're sitting at a psychopath. Get off of this shit. You were like, shut up. I'm going to Russia. And after that, Jamie is like, yeah, well, I went to the zoo with my kid high on ketamine. And I'm like, oh, that explains the empty children's bed. That explains why the bunk beds look like they haven't been slept in for months, Jamie. And then Eve confesses to stabbing someone also. And I'm like, ooh, are we getting close to the murder? And I think he brings up the GBH charge that he got. I don't know. I started tuning him out because I was like, okay, it's addiction. Like whatever he's going to say is going to have something to do with drugs. And I feel like you can't touch Eve's sleeve. Because she is out here with bodies, Jamie, not just personal shame from addiction. Right. She was like, I left Hugo. She didn't name him, but I left She left a man to die to save a psychopath. My girl, to save your girlfriend. Uh, And then he says that uh, he had a friend who died um, due to the drugs that he gave him off some bad product. And I was like, yikes. That can happen. And I guess at this moment, I was being proud to say, I killed the man. She wasn't. Mama. You got to be really open to do that stuff. And her, I don't even know if her hair was down like that. So she stops short like, to be like, really? Okay, so you actually killed someone with drugs. I'm like, girl, 
you are one to talk. But at least there was no knob hopping. There was no knob hopping. We get through that scene. Jamie lets her know, listen, bitch, you are not the only self-loathing asshole in a room. You are definitely not that. This is the world. This is life. And a whole lot of people's lives have been fucked up. So rest easy that you are not the only dick on the dance floor. And she's like, oh, my God, thank you. <laughs> thank you so much. Choices. It's all about the choices. And they clink bottles from the bottom, not from the, from the top. There's no saliva swapping happening. And let's cut to Eve in a bed with a teddy. She initially sees this teddy and she looks like she violently wants to toss it. I'm like, Eve, this is always you just violently wanting to do something. But then she kind of holds it close, stares. You know she's thinking about Villanelle. Here we go. Here we go. And then she speaks to the teddy. He's like, what do you want from me? And again, I'm like, if the, if the teddy is a stand-in for Villanelle, the O, Eve, like she told you, the O, your time, your companionship. Like that's, she was very clear about what she wants. I don't know why you're so confused. And then the phone buzzes. Yes, and for the second time, we get an immediate Villanelle thought being immediately followed by a Nico thought, which is interesting because that's what they've been doing since episode three as well. When I was screaming about, oh my God, you're still texting Nico, and right after she's done texting Nico, here's Villanelle on the bus. Hi, it's ridiculous. <laughs> um, okay, we cut to the next day, and we get Eve back at the bit of pill. She's staring out the window, and it's basically, she's looking at the aftermath of the cake being curled off the roof, probably thinking, hey, no one's cleaned this cake. <laughs> well, still... considering she dropped the cake, it would be her responsibility to clean the cake if someone's not in the parking lot. So I would actually say she wasn't thinking that because if she cared about cleaning the cake, but again, she doesn't care about cleaning her body. So why you think she cares about trash and litter when her own apartment was a cesspool of it trash sure and was. litter? It doesn't make any sense. She was looking out the window being like, I wonder how that cake tasted. I wonder how good it was. I mean, would it be bad if I just go outside and touch it from the floor? <laughs> like, is it spoiled now? I wonder how much milk. Was it was milk? Was it vegan? Like, what's going on with this cake she was regretting it because she had no cake for her birthday all she had was that weird edible thing from jamie and some beers that's eve you could have had a better birthday but instead you wanted to be wild and bear calls out to her i guess to get her out of her train of thought to say hey i found that case that you were describing that olympic thing from the 70s from, yeah cold case so it's, yeah ultimately it's about 40 years old they've never found the person who's done it and she tries to compare the photos but at the same time as she's trying to do this, she's her phone is lighting up. <laughs> yes, Nico. It's, Fake Nico. Right. A.K.A. Dasha, who was like, listen, why don't you come and see me? Let's try to patch things up. And already she should have known from the rhetoric that that wasn't her man since they were married for years. But again, I maintain this is why Eve does not deserve to have anything nice with Nico because she is absurd. She's a completely, entirely, completely and entirely absurd. In fact, his family shouldn't let her come to the funeral. They should be like, no, bitch, you're banned. This is your fault he's dead. You're banned. He just got here. And if you'd have left him the fuck alone, he'd still be alive. He told us about your girlfriend. She's like, oh, shit. Actually, we're on a break right now. <laughs> uh, and Paul and uh, Red are both trying to figure out, well, what makes these cases significant? Yeah, they're similar. Eve's like, no, they're not similar. They're the same, which means that if we can find out who did this murder, we can get close to... We could get more information or get closer information in regards to the 12 and maybe what they're doing. And, and then she went, she goes to grab all her stuff <laughs> and all her stuff is at the, is that, is that the bitter bell? It was, I was like, well, she left, she literally left her apartment with a bag she could carry because she was so shooketh by Villanelle's admitted Eve. And so she, everything she needed was right there. 
which considering again how she's dressing what she's not doing the fact that like underwear optional she doesn't need much in the back she doesn't need much in the back so she grabbed her little tote and she was like I'm out of here with my jacket and Jamie's like yo what the fuck bitch we just we just got a new lead what you doing she's like choices Jamie choices and the way she looks so foolish with that smile I was like bitch you are jaunting off to your demise in the sense of whatever you think is happening and I'm so happy that you look so thrilled because the way that look is going to be removed from your face will bring joy to me even though it will bring sadness and horror to Eve because I can't deal with the fact that she looked so happy and so relieved to see Nico. And it's like, bitch, you were married to him for over 10 years. You don't know that's not his text? You don't know that's not how he talks? You really think that after what you were texting him, nothing, 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 nothing. Suddenly he's texting back. Okay, I'm listening. You know what? It would be better if you were here. It would be perfect if you were here. Who the fuck? Why the fuck would Nico say that after the last time you saw him and spoke to him? Why? And it's because Eve wants to believe her fucking delusions in my mind. Right. And so she doesn't look at the obvious to be like, well, obviously this isn't right. This isn't normal. I'm so desperate for it to be this way that I'm going to disregard everything that says this isn't right. Just because I'm so desperate to have this piece of normalcy back that I will take everything irrational around it. So had Eve been thinking straight, she might have gotten herself out of this. But in a way, she's comparative to Villanelle, where you're just like, you're just doing shit and you're not making any damn sense where you can make smarter decisions if you just thought about it. But you're just not. And that's because the two of you are splitting the brain cell right now. Right. And there's not a lot of smart decision making happening on the side of Villanelle or Eve. They're right. literally working into the plans of everybody else around them. And it's wild. It was better when they just through the one brain cell and they together they, right. just share it together and work together like Rome before it went bad because lord because here goes Eve flight for one to Poland <laughs> oh with, with um, petty cash don't, yeah she don't, stole don't that money that's what I said during the live <laughs> and people are like where did Eve get the money someone said she had savings it's like Eve don't got no damn don't savings about it. she blew through her savings in the first <laughs> three months she was out of the ICU I think that while she was sleeping in the office and searching through bare stuff to steal his cereal, she found a petty cash box and she was like, bitch. And she bought herself a flight. <laughs> That's what she was like, choices, Jamie, choices. I made the choice to steal just now and it's fine because also I don't follow any rules <laughs> and I don't really work here. So how am I going to get in trouble? Prove Why'd it. you nick it? <laughs> Why'd you nick the petty cash, Eve? And then, uh, you're safe, you're bloody safe. So the cut, because, you know, we don't get to see Eve in the air. We don't see Eve when we she lands. We don't need to see all that. We don't, need we to don't see, see her hail her, her, car but we do see her leave her car and here she is with her bags walking up this little strip and street and her new we balance see dogs barking and we hear chickens clucking and you hear this hammering that's happening because um there's a gentleman fixing the gate off in the a distance gentleman, it's nico well yeah well fixing the gate yeah he was no i know it's oh. the gate that dasha told him to fix in the forward flash back yeah forward sideways thing so that's what he's doing it's not just some and gentleman. So she, it's Nico. So she calls out because, you know, that's that's what she's going to do. She's like, hey, Nico. And he's looking at her like, why? Bitch, why I'm is hurt. you? Who told you? How do you even know I'm here? Why are you here, Eve? And he does a reluctant wave up like, uh, I have a date tonight with the bartender. Right, and this is like, awkward. This is weird. I mean, I at that point was like, okay, well, you're here for me. <laughs> you're here for, for Lord. And, of course, we get a hard cut. We don't get to see what happens until way later in the episode. Um, We're to Big Daddy K, and he's watching Irina being dropped off by presumably her mom's new man. And Constantine is salty as fuck. He watches all salty-like, and I'm like, if you cared about your family and having access to your daughter all the time, maybe you should have stopped with your fuck shit. It's series two, Constantine. Tis true, tis true. Because here she is at, uh, in the school uh, reading one of her books as he approaches her and says, you know what? You want to 
kind of skip this? You you want to leave? You want to come and play hooky? And she's like, ask me in Sanskrit. And he's ultimately like, you know what? Why don't you just come and walk me because I said so and because of your father? And she, of course, curses him out in Sanskrit. And likely he didn't know if he or he chose not to acknowledge the fact that she did what she just did, said what she just said. And as they're walking with I her, would imagine that Adina curses in many languages. I would imagine she curses in every language she can understand and speak because that's kind of how it goes. If you're multilingual and you have bad words you say, you can just flits and fly through whichever ones you know. So I would say that Constantine is probably used to his precocious daughter <laughs> doling out insults that he would have to Google or look up. And he's like, God damn it. <laughs> So that's my headcanon right now for young Edina. So here they are descending the steps, uh, eating ice cream. And here's Constant asking about this man. Well, you know, um, he's a, so you know, he's a crook, right? Well, that's after he's like, how can you afford that car? That was an expensive car. How does he get it? And Edina's like an oil executive, which means he's making bank. Because not only is he an executive, he's in oil. And so because it's oil, potentially, Constantine is like, well, he's a criminal. He's a crook. He's doing bad things. And she's like, oh, oh, are we talking about crooks and criminals, dad? Are we talking about <laughs> criminality, father? Really? Really? And he's like, listen, bitch, you know, I got to do bad things. You know, I work for the government. I work for the government. And she was like, Scrats! you work for you Post and that. you alone. You work for you <laughs> and your ego. And I'm not buying this shit. And I just want to say I'm loving the glow up from Adina. I love that she's still not taking any shit from anybody, which is what we saw in series one. And the one person she should definitely not take it from is her father, who seems to be trying to sell the same bullshit he sells to Villanelle and whoever else he deals with, Carolyn. And she's like, no, bitch, if there's anyone who can see through your nonsense, it's me. It's me. Right. It's me. I see it. And I love that she was like, yo, so do you have a plan? Because I know you fucking, you are fucking around and you are fucking people over. What's your fucking plan? Oh, I have a plan. She's like, bitch, you know, you're full of you're shit, full bitch. Of matter of fact, matter of fact, this walk is done. I, got, <laughs> I have class to go to. And she left him. She left she him behind. She's sure like, bye. Did. Bye, dad. Bye. So I just love Adina and her little misandry energy that she's working with. And we continue with more Constantine where he is now visiting uh, the wife. Of Charles Kruger. Right. The widow. The widow. She is no longer a wife. She is a widow and she she is is a mess, a hot mess. Mm. She is shaky. She is trembly. She's crying all the time. She's really not over the fact her man is dead and poor lady. But she too will be dead by the end of this episode. So not not much time she needs to spend Uh, worrying. She let it, I was let it slide. She let Constantine know that an email came in just the day of his untimely demise with instructions for her to send an attachment to an email address. Well, yeah, because she figured out, or rather she confesses to Constantine that Kruger figured out who. So apparently before he was taken out by Carolyn, he did figure out who was still in the fucking money, put it together, some sort of contingency plan, told his wife, but his wife takes all the L's because she failed her husband. That was your husband's dying wish. It was his dying request. And because you were a hot mess, you didn't do it. And you tell fucking Constantine who can't be trusted. And now you are dead. You are dead because you spoke to Constantine. Lord, I mean, we... You didn't have to. You didn't have to go out the way you went out, but I mean, but if if all you need to do, you get an email. And it's just forward to this. How hard is it to just forward it? Like, I, well, if you've never dealt with the criminality, I will say that if you've never dealt with the criminal element, especially something as as creepy as a twelve, that would freak a bitch out. If you suddenly got an ominous message from your fucking partner and they were like, look, if anything happens to me, look, I basically, I just found out, I found out people were stealing from the company I work at. It's wild. So if anything happens to me, if anything happens to me, forward this email. I'd be like, what? <laughs> what did you just say? And then you die tomorrow? And I'm, and I'm just like looking at the email like, bitch, what do I do? Bitch, what do I do? Now, I would still forward the email for my Thank partner. You. But she looked like the personality type that needed help. 
that she needed some sort she, of coaxing. So her husband should have anticipated that and prepared accordingly. He should have did, did a Patrick Swayze and just came back as a ghost. Just be Rita Miller. This then- is Killing Eve, not the Sci-Fi <laughs> Channel. Well, that's true. That is true. If there were ghosts, Villanelle would be having a horrible time because she has too many bodies to not be concerned about the ghosts that would come back and get her. Like that woman, she killed with the perfume. I know she would be salty. She's like, bitch, I was trying to mentor you and you killed me. <laughs> horrible. At the end of that scene, after Constantine gives some fake concern and then tells her to send the file to him, he also advises her to go someplace else. Safe. Safe from where she can be found, which is like... By you, by you, and Villanelle. <laughs> and he ends the scene taking a big swig of his drink because Constantine is drinking all the time these days. Just like Eve, and just like Carolyn, and really all the characters that aren't Villanelle. <laughs> Wake up, drank, pull up. <laughs> and okay, so they cut to him. Uh, I want to say that he is back now in Barcelona. And he stares down a, a roadway in uh, I was dodging calls from Marina and spying, right. stalking on Villanelle at the right. same time. I'm like, you already know how she feels. You already know what she's given, but you don't you don't have time to answer her. And I'm like, well, whatever. So but he, he probably has nothing to say. Oh, well, that too. <laughs> because I, I, I do think he loves his daughter, but I just think that Adina is very specific about what's happening in life. She's like, this is what I would like to change. I'm older. I'm how old is she supposed to be? Maybe anywhere between 14 to 16. So she is to her place of autonomy and speaking up for herself in a way that she would not have potentially when she was with Villanelle in series one. And so he can't, he can't bullshit her because that's what he tried. He went to the school and he was like, here's some bullshit. Ha ha, joke, joke, joke. And she was like, fuck your jokes. Fuck your nonsense. I see right through you. And you need to come up with a plan because this whole thing that you're doing is just going to end up with me without a dad. And that'll suck even more than my life sucks right now. So fix it. And I mean, that's, that's Adina just calling a spade a spade. She can see the force for the trees. She can see like, yo, I was kidnapped by your apparent protege, by your apparent person in series one. And you were shot by that same bitch. And then what? You were on the lamb. You were hiding from her. Then you were working together again. Then you were hiding from her again. And now you're back in the 12. Like Adina's not foolish. And she probably has overheard one too many conversations with Constantine. Right. Because kids do that. They hear stuff. They observe. Him trying to lie to her is just like, Constantine, stop playing yourself. She knows. She knows. So then here's uh, Constantine walking up on Villanelle and she's fixated. And instead of looking at whatever she's looking at, he decides to boo and try to like shake her and start her out of it. And he does a little chuckle. And then there is a cut. Hard cut to commercial. It felt abrupt watching it. But when you don't have commercials on the rewatch, it is not nearly as abrupt hard cut, which takes us to Villanelle listening to a song that we really tried very hard to identify. AMC and BBC said, fuck you, because you will not be able to find this song. Certainly not easily. And maybe one day we will. If we find out, we'll potentially try to come back with a snack with it. But we don't know what it is. It's just some sort of rock song. We really did try to find it. And Villanelle is baking a cake. And she stops looking in the mirror. She's like, mm, look at this, Bruce. So not over so me. So not over me. <laughs> and she seems to be in a very festive mood. She's dancing. She's spinning. And I would just like to say, you guys, um, the rhythm has returned to Villanelle's hips or it's in the process of returning now that Eve is back alive. The movement she could not find with Maria right, at her wedding so reception. Right. It is back alone in her kitchen while she is making a cake for Eve's fucking birthday. So when we uh, cut to Dasha entering as she's uh, topping the cake with cherries, Dasha's like, oh, you you made me a cake. She's like, no, it's not for you. Oh my gosh. And fucking Dasha with her. (laughs) Well, you know what? It doesn't really look 
like the picture. And Villanelle, <laughs> so I feel like she was, well, of course she is. Villanelle is a perfectionist and she likes to do well at things and she did not do well at the cake. Especially with her ego, she was like, I can do this and not only this, I will make the best cake. And then she followed the direction. She was like, what the fuck happened? Why is the, why is the cake leaning? Why is the cake leaning? Why does the icing look like this? What the fuck? And she was probably trying to justify to herself like, okay, okay, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine, it's fine. And then Dasha's like, let me taste this. And she's like, girl, I think you forgot a whole ass ingredient. I think something here is off. <laughs> And the thing is, Villanelle had to have been telling herself that same bullshit, embarrassing her own self, that when it comes out of Dasha's mouth, she's like, I know it. Right. I know. You know, it doesn't Don't look me. like the box. Like, okay. Okay. You- well, <laughs> that's, that's brand new news. It's brand new news. I didn't notice that. Dasha, thank you. And so Villanelle immediately is like, let me just throw this shit out. I'm sick of this. I've been thinking about throwing it out for a while. I'm just throwing it out. And Dasha's like, hold up. Hold up. It could look shitty, but it could still taste good, which is true. Stuff that looks nasty could still taste good. And she just takes a little finger. And I'm like, this is just icing and something else. And just from that, she's like, throw it out. <laughs> I was like, that's me. And I, a part of me is like, or I'm is really... that nice? Or is that nice? It could be nice if it's honest. You save but someone's... I don't trust Dasha. Oh, it's honest. Oh, Lord. You saw the cake? I mean, I know she can't cook. I know, but I'm, I'm sorry. I would have been like, I'm excellent at making desserts. And that cake was a shit show. No, it was. That cake was scary. It was. No, it was. That cake is what you it give was. to your enemy. I was like, how How did the layers? I was lost. Why were there <laughs> cherries on top? I said, Villanelle, there are cherries on the top, Villanelle. Sorry, that's just me with a cake with some cherries. That's not whatever is happening if I can avoid it. <laughs> Poor Villanelle. Oh, and that's when Dasha starts to go through the hall to pick up all the like clothes that's on the floor. And Villanelle's like, don't do that. She's like, well, if you don't know how to, you don't deserve nice things if you're going to keep treating things like this. But I'm like... It's not like she's going to lose whatever she's got down there. Maybe it's something she's not going to wear for a while. I respect this from Dasha. Dasha is a cleaner. People who prefer clean spaces and organized spaces, sometimes you cannot help yourself. If you're in someone else's space and you see trash on the floor, you will pick it up. That's what I do. It's like what I do with litter. If I'm on the street and I see trash on the floor, I am compelled to pick it up, whether it's my trash or not. So... Dasha was compelled to pick up Villanelle's fucking trashy mess, which is why I have to go back on my plan and my ideas that Villanelle cleaned up Eve's place. Because the only way that's possible is if she walked in there and she was like, oh, my God, even for me, this is, this is, let me just grab three of these tissues real right, quick. Right, no, I mean, it was, it was like, you said cesspool. It was really bad. It's a cesspool. And so I'm pretty sure Villanelle was like... No. It could have been the landlord. The landlord could have been like, we're getting complaints of a smell and just opened the thing himself. Oh, right. And does something. All kinds of stuff. We all got housekeeping, but you know, we make an exception today. We'll just add it to the next month's rent because this was wow. This. I think E's rent is so cheap, she paid up front with her savings. I don't think she pays rent monthly. She wouldn't remember. Uh, oh, <laughs> She you, wouldn't remember. You, she was yeah. just like, here's six months, bitch. Like, that's all I have. This is everything. <laughs> that's why Eve is buying the ramen noodles, because she used all her savings to pay her rent up front, so she didn't have to think about it. And that's why she's extra pissed at Villanelle, because now she feels like she can't stay there. She's like, bitch, I used the last of my savings to pay the rent for that place, and now I can't even go back. What the fuck? <laughs> and you know she didn't pack everything with her either lord she could leave the trash in that place and everything else she didn't leave is probably remnants of her and nico and it could stay that stuff could go in the trash too hopefully everything is out of anybody's storage because if not mm. those fees <laughs> oh yeah and dasha also asks eventually how the job went and villanelle's like oh i'm mm-hmm. fine yeah. and dasha's like oh, okay did it oh what'd you do who'd you who'd you see what, what happened in london she said she did a Jack the Ripper walking tour. I was like, huh, what? 
I believe she did do that, right. but it wasn't the only thing she did because Dasha was like, uh-huh, yeah. Um, so are you sure that that's the story you want to go with? And she's like, okay, all right, okay, all right. Not that it's any of your business, but I saw Constantine. And Dasha's still looking at her like, mm. Okay, so this is this is what we're doing. You are just going to continue to lie to me. Fine. And then I was like, you be quiet. You're being super annoying right now. Why are you asking me so many questions? And Dasha's like, look, bitch, I'm just trying to save you from yourself. From yourself, because you're so fucking close to getting everything you wanted, and you're fucking it up, okay? Because they want to have a meeting with you soon. And then I was like, oh, a meeting? A meeting. And she's like, yeah, they want to discuss your contract, your raise, your position, all that shit. And you just need to hang tight. And like spend your money, shop, do whatever you want. But, but right. you stay the fuck put in this city. You are not to move. You are not to leave. You are not to move. You're not to go. You're just to shop, shop and potentially have sex. That's what you do, Villanelle. Okay. That's what you do. And then I was like, oh, okay. But we know by the end of this episode, that bitch in Russia, she right. did not listen to that information. She did not heed the warning of Dasha. And as usual, Villanelle does what she wants to do. She, of course, was jumping up and down as she dumps the cake and then you see her out and she is shopping in that same dress that we saw Manic her. happy Villanelle. She is right. very excited about this. And then she stops and uh, peers into this window. And I kept trying to like encapsulate all that was here. I was like, is she looking at the aesthetics of these doll of these mannequins is she looking beyond at the two women that are shopping i think she was looking beyond at the relationship that seemed to be in focus that's obviously a thing that the writers are trying to explore villanelle's ideas or understanding of familial relationships and perhaps one with a mother figure and if they keep true to the fact that villanelle's mother is dead which I hope they do, then that would explain some of the stuntedness that she probably feels because anyone would feel that losing a mother figure at a really young age and not having someone there to do the stuff that moms do that people take for granted until you don't have one. And you're like, actually, someone didn't teach me that. Actually, I didn't know who to ask about this. Actually, I didn't know where to go for this advice. And so, yeah, that, those are my thoughts. I also want to point out the song that was playing when Constantine walks up on Villanelle. It is entitled Satan in His Name by Holly Golightly. And boy, if oh you guys haven't heard this song, a look at the lyrics. It is so apropos for Constantine and his duplicitous fucking self. Of course, we get the same boo that we got the la uh, before the cut. Before we went to Villanelle, it's that same scene. You get the sense that this is that moment in time revisited. Um, she... Uh, which tells him, you know, he doesn't have to be so dramatic and he wants to have, be able to talk to her, have a conversation. It looks like she's trying to storm now to go inside that mall or wherever it was. She was mad shop session. Right. She has and stuff to buy. He grabs her arm in this way that I've, I don't recall ever really seeing Constantine grab her arm before. And so, like, I was like, I need him to not he grabbed this. her arm like that when he threw her on the bed. When she was like, happy birthday! <laughs> and he literally tossed that, that bitch right. onto the bed. Right. So... He has unfortunately been rough with her before, but he says that he wants to go somewhere relaxing for them to have a talk. And I'm like, is that what you meant when you were in a cable car? Because you don't look relaxed with Villanelle jumping all. up and down in the cable car, which is probably why she's doing it. Mm -hmm. Also, because like Dasha said, she's entirely manic. This would be really bad time to go oh, a really bad way to go because she's jumping up and down he's like stop it stop it. like i don't know if he was i mean i wouldn't want to fall off of that height either it was nuts it was like it made me think of like a ski lift like just high up for no reason 
I mean, well, it's for a reason because it's to get to the top of the mountain. But you live in New York City. What about the tram from Roosevelt Island? That's one of the only oh, ways I'm to get there. I'm not doing that. I'm not. <laughs> I'm not. Unbelievable. I'm not. You can't make me do that. Mm-mm. But it's the only way to get there without the bridge. Like you got to take the thing. Yeah, y'all have fun. I'm. I'm just gonna. My dad used to I'll wait for date the a fa- woman many years ago fairy. who lived on Roosevelt Island, so I had to take that thing all the time. But you just take it from Midtown and you go across the thing. But anyways, <laughs> um, yes. Yeah, so Constantine is upset that Villanelle is rocking the cable car. Of course, Villanelle doesn't care because she's in the bestest of moods as far as she's concerned. She's getting everything she wanted, and her girlfriend kissed her for the first time the other day. So she's feeling good, and Constantine notices that she's feeling good, and finally he's like, "Yo, bitch, what the fuck is your problem? Why are you so happy? Why are you so giddy?" She's like, "Oh, it's." it's Birthday. birthday and i'm like bitch just this woman existing and having a birthday is enough to put you in a good mood like you are so <laughs> whipped you are so whipped villanelle my god he's like but you shot her ruined her marriage isn't that enough and she the, her first thought was wait the mustache is gone <laughs> really she's like oh my gosh opening i, I hear is that. that why she kissed me oh shit i hear it's he's in poland like, uh, again, I don't know why Constantine hears anything about Poland. I don't know why he knows what's going on with Nico. I don't know why everyone in the 12 seems to know everything that's going on. And Villanelle and Eve are just like, uh, what? What's going on? What information is out there? Meanwhile, they got the whole dossier, the whole file, the whole thing. Every piece of information that exists about what Eve and Villanelle are up to. I believe now that Constantine and all the cohorts of the 12, everybody got it. Everybody has it. And Villanelle, you need to ask for your file. You need to say, <laughs> instead of telling me about my family, can I see the file? Like, what is the file? What is the file that the 12 has on me so I could just thumb through that thick thing and see what's happening? Because, Could you imagine the meetings that they have? Well, what are we allowed to tell her? Because she keeps asking questions. She wants to know things. Uh, I don't think they have meetings about her. That's what I think is the unfortunate thing about Villanelle's position, especially when I see Boss Lady, is that she is down, that she's actually really far down on the totem pole. And all she ever knows is what people tell her, Mm. which is not reliable. Because unless you're in the inner circle... You don't know what's going on. You're just, you're just doing what people say. And so I think that she, it's like what I made the analogy about the emperor, that it's artifice. It is a title that is ultimately empty. And once it is stripped, the power is gone. It's not innate. And so how Villanelle thinks she's going to usurp anything with the 12 when she doesn't even have a fucking understanding or handle of what the 12 is still, it's a mess. So here's Constantine digging in his pocket. He's like, look, I got what you asked for. And it's the information uh, that will lead her to, you know, finding her family. It's a picture, it looks like. And the minute she looks at it, she gets a hiccup, which I've said a couple times now that I think it's tying back to her family, something or other, something, some sort of trigger, some sort of whatever. But definitely relating back to her family that she gets this hiccup then and apparently keeps them the rest of the episode and presumably maybe until she returns to Russia. And so she's like, after the hiccup, oh, do you know where they are? Um, uh, no, but I can find out, but... I need you to need you do, do something, something for, for me. me. And he's yeah. like, oh, right. Something personal off the record. He's like, hey, <laughs> stop doing my lines. And she's like, all right. He's like, look, I need you to just like get this bitch. You need to get her. Okay. Make it nice. Make it efficient. She's like, okay, bitch, do you want it clean or efficient? Like you need right. to pick one. Exactly. Do you want a nice kill or an efficient kill? What do you want? And he's like, look, just do it. Just get it done. And I'm like, wow, Constantine, your niceness just flew out the window when you were like, get it done. And I think Villanelle could have been nicer because she was very melodramatic with how she did that kill. The woman was choked out, which means she had seconds to think about how she was being killed by this girl who she just tried to bond with. So that's unfortunate. I don't think Villanelle listened to Constantine's advice (laughs) about keeping it simple because she engaged in a whole fucking skit with this bitch before she killed her. But, you know, would she be Villanelle if she wasn't creating whole skits to murder people? No. Well, here she is trying to do some uh, garter work and she's cutting the heads off of like these, I want to call them, 
I don't know their names. But I mean, they're basically different colored roses, but they're not roses. Flowers. Right. And she's like, wait, 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 careful with those. You know, my husband's rather quite fond of those. And then she's... She starts to convulse. She's like, oh, I just like ultimately that uh, she was married for so long and she misses him so much. But Villanelle's like, but this, but now that means you can be whoever you want. And she says, but I don't want to be free. I want to be family. And I'm like, that's, that's the kiss of death as far as words. Because every single time someone I've noticed has told Villanelle, I don't want to be free. That's it. That's then they're done. That's true. I'm just glad she wasn't actually related to Villanelle, which I was curious about based on other previews. But nope, nope, nope. She was Charles Kruger's fucking wife. And all she was trying to do was bond with a bitch. She was feeling sad about her husband. She was feeling sad about her kids who were off at school, whatever the fuck they're doing. And she's like, let's just have a little moment. Let's let's do this little hiccup game and I'll scare you. And then we'll do this little chasey chase. And Villanelle was actually very adorable in that moment, very childlike. And she seemed for a moment to be enjoying this camaraderie that was very much maternal. And she had to ruin it after chasing that woman through a very pretty garden and greenhouse and things that were happening and ultimately chokes her out with a garden hose, which is so rude. <laughs> it's so rude. She was corralling her with a garden hose and she was like, let me corral this around your neck. I'm just like, Philanel, oh, you oh, are the rudest oh, bitch. Oh, down she goes. so oh, rude. Oh. And it was creepy. That was actually a creepy death for me because of how the actress did her eyes when she was being choked and out. I just didn't like it. The timing of the phone call, like after it was done, it was almost like within a minute of her going down, it's, it's constantly like, is it finished? I'm like, oh, my God. Well. Well, there should be time limits. I mean, that's where Villanelle <laughs> failed for Felix. Oh, and well. it looks like Constantine, being a decent handler of experience, was like, I expect it to be done by this time. Okay. I'm checking up. Is it? Yes, it is. <laughs> so, and she took extra time because she was there talking to her and creating conversation and whatever, taking free hugs. So it's a good thing that Constantine checked up on his hoe. She might have played with that woman until 8, 9 p.m. He's like, yeah, what are you doing? Oh, we're just uh, having lunch and she wanted to make me some dinner. And then I just, you know. And then she helped me. She told me to help her send this email with this attachment. Oh, no. (laughs) And so I did that. You what? Oh, so now we get Carolyn's title card that comes up. Mm-hmm. And we get, it, there was these, what? It was like a frog sounds. It was like a prominent. It was. It was several frogs. And I thought, okay, it has to be an ambiance machine because that's way too many frogs for the middle of London somewhere. And it was. We find out later it was. She doesn't shut it off in that scene, but she turns it back on when she gets home later. And she just looks so sad. Just dead. Just sort of like still and apart from reality, which is so sad because she wakes up, she gets dressed in silence, and then she passes Geraldine after she's Yo. fully dressed and doesn't even acknowledge her. <laughs> and Geraldine's like, "Hey, ma," she's like, "Whatever." Like, and that's too much because she doesn't say anything. She right. just keeps it moving. And poor Geraldine just shakes her head. And she's like, "I don't know how much longer I can deal with this." And frankly, if it were me and I lived with a person <laughs> that I said good morning to, and every morning they ignored me, we'd be having some some kind of fight in that morning, some kind of argument, some kind of confrontation because you were going to stop ignoring me. What the fuck? And then they, <laughs> so after that, uh, that leaving Geraldine on red, we see that uh, Carolyn and Paul, they're at a brunch or a lunch, something like that. And these, um, these uh, alcoholic drinks, or maybe, yeah, it looks it's like champagne. champagne. No, it yeah. was champagne. No, and he then, was, he was like, I'm gonna be fancy. And I was like, Paul, you should have hit it with a whiskey or something right. else. Because you don't know she, this, girl. this is the mood. Right. Oh, no, but he does. He um, does. Because of my previous thing about her and Paul knowing each other for years. Not liking each other and not getting along with something else. But he knows Carolyn. I mean, why else was he trying to give his anecdotal story about his husband being gone? He was like, listen, Carolyn, I understand loss too, babe. Uh, 
She was like, whatever. The way she was rolling her eyes, I was like, yes, I feel you, Carolyn. I feel you. He's laying it on thick. And and uh, he wants something. So be careful. That was my mind. You are so judgmental against Paul. <laughs> this entire time he's been here. And Paul is literally like, what can I do? Because I really feel fucking bad that I was doubting this type of situation. But now Kruger's dead and Mo is traumatized. He's changed divisions and things. He's not coming back to the office because he's too fucking traumatized. Listen, Carolyn, what can I do? So we can fix this. I'm just trying to help you get back to a place. And she's like, my office, bitch. Like, my office. He's like, your office? You but said you didn't even know where it was. And she's like, it's true, but it's the principle of the thing. It's the principle. And I would like my office to be there should I ever want to visit it again. It's almost like you should have just took everything that I had to say to heart when I initially tried to come to you about all these things that were going down. I mean, you just... You know, you you tried to squeeze me out. Sorry, but after what happened in Lebanon and Diane, <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. All that space for Carolyn was there in series two when Helen was yelling at her and she was fucking fine. Helen was yelling. She was sitting there and she was like, I'm taking it. Series three is something else. And that's because Carolyn has done so many horrible things that so many things have gone wrong that she has used up her space. And the only reason why I think she's getting this flexibility from Paul is because her son is dead. And they know that something bigger probably connects to it. But otherwise, I don't see how Carolyn could expect anything when she took all those L's in a row, in a row. Her, all her mission, just her entire mission is a mess. And now that her son is dead, they're like, yo, bitch, like, this is peak messy. This is peak messy. And of course, we want you to solve it. Of course, we want you to get back on your game. But we just need you to acknowledge right now that this is peak messy. Okay, and you need to work with us on how we're going to fix this. Versus sitting there silently, which is what Karen is doing. She's not really being very helpful outside of talking to Eve or Eve. Right. Because <laughs> Mo was there, but Mo's but gone. Mo's, you don't think right. Mo's ever coming back. So, well, which there is it sad. is. Well, he was here for a spell and, well, that was nice. So after Paul is like, look, I lost my mans and I get it. I get lost. And Carolyn's like, you're such a dirty hoe. Losing your son and losing your man are two different things, especially because your dude is alive. Right. Like your, you're just your dude divorced. is still alive. Right. Like, what the fuck? Um, and then we cut to Carolyn driving home and she sees Constantine walking near her place on the phone. And I love this scene because she looks suspicious. Like he maybe just came from her house, which I think he probably did visiting Geraldine or checking up on his bug, changing the battery. Who knows what kind of excuse he made up. But I'm glad that we finally see that Carolyn seems to on screen be suspecting Constantine of double dealing, which he is definitely doing. I mean, the fact that he's in London proper at all should already be a flag for Carolyn. Like, why are you what? Why are you still what? So I'm happy that but you say still, I say period. Like he, the fact that he oh, was right. there ever. Right. But that's why I said from the beginning, I don't think Carolyn has ever trusted him. She's just noting things. And she knows that Geraldine is a weakness because she is sweet and she is caring and she just wants to help. And so people can manipulate her and easily lean upon those things to try to get information out of her about Carolyn. And Carolyn knows that. She's like, oh, my daughter's easy as pie. Good Lord. Mm -hmm. All you just got to do is look at her, smile, say, how are you doing? And she's going to tell you the whole That's life true. story, which is probably what she said to Constantine because she just wants to, she wants to unburden herself of her stress. So if Constantine showed up to be like, hey, how are you doing? I just want to check in. Oh, is your mom here? Oh, she's not. Of course she's not. I know she's not. But how are you doing? And then Geraldine would just let it all fly because that's how she is and give Constantine a bunch of intel at the same time. So And the bug, the bug that's right, right. there recording right. everything. So they cut to Carolyn entering the house and here comes Geraldine. Mom, um, uh, what are you doing home at this hour of the day? I'm like, uh, what kind of language is, what kind of language, what are we doing? He's so harsh on Geraldine. I just feel bad for her. She's like, Mama, you have to realize that Carolyn doesn't text a bitch. Carolyn doesn't speak to a bitch. So literally Geraldine is talking to the air as usual. Hey, Mom, what you doing home at this time? 
crickets, crickets, crickets. Like to be Geraldine <laughs> sucks. It's horrible oh, to be yeah. Geraldine. He's just like, oh, was I supposed to like, respond to you no. <laughs> or or phone in advance? But when I'm when I'm coming home into my house, and here she goes again. She's just like, um... well, she eventually asked Geraldine if she's had any visitors. Obviously implying Constantine, and this scene is played very well by Gemma and Fiona because it seems obvious that Gemma, Gemma's character, or rather that Geraldine is lying, and she yeah. says only her friend Lily or whatever from school. But you don't know, and <laughs> Carolyn can tell that she's lying because she's Carolyn, but also it's her daughter, so I think she would know. And it's just interesting that they that this is happening, that we are seeing how they cannot communicate. Because I don't think it's that big of a deal or Geraldine is maybe not on to what Constantine is on about. But the fact that she doesn't want to tell her mom that she was talking to this guy, probably because she feels like it's a type of vulnerable thing where I just needed to talk to someone who knew you and knew the situation to just hear me out. But you're not going to like that because you don't like me to talk to anybody. So let me just lie and say... It was my friend Lily. And here's mm. Carolyn like, oh, so I know you were talking to Constantine. Can't trust that motherfucker as far as I could throw him. Okay, great. So we both lying. And then Carolyn has that that line that's like, so we keep it secrets. Not just me, but you. Totally. I know you are, but let's just like respect each other, respect each other's boundaries and respect each other's grieving processes. And I do like that Carolyn said that because that's what she should have said from the jump. Be like, look, I we're very different people. I don't grieve like you. And I know you need all of this touching and talking, but... I'm the opposite. So if you need all that, please visit a support group. Please call one of your cousins. Please go find someone on a, on a street corner. But it's not going to be me. But mommy and my mother. Well, you know, shit happens. And I can't help you here. And so I think maybe if her and Geraldine just had a few more conversations, like straight up, just so you know what you're dealing with. And so you could stop. Because that's where Geraldine needs to get, where she could just stop doing stuff to annoy Carolyn. Because she's like, this is just how my mom is. And I just need to let it go. I need to let it fly. We're never going to hug. It's never going to happen. So let me just move on. And she leaves uh, She leaves uh, Geraldine on the floor in the kitchen while she's like, well, I'm going to go and lie down. And oh, after she has her breakdown when Geraldine's like, Mom, I <laughs> because that's when Carolyn pieces out. And Geraldine just literally, Geraldine just slumps into a pile, a sad, desperate pile of like, I it can't. It was sad. That was sad. It was sad. And it she was. just breaks into tears. And thankfully, Carolyn does pause at that. She has a piece of filling at that. And that's when she's like, look, just if you could just try to respect like how I do things, that would be better. That would go better for us. <sighs> so that was a great, I just thought it was a well acted scene and further insight into Geraldine and Carolyn's really complicated mother-daughter relationship. Right. Poor, so, poor Geraldine. And Carolyn gets into her room, closes the door, puts on her nature sounds with the frogs. Doesn't grabs, undress. Right, doesn't undress. Lays in her and bed, fully clothed. Mm -hmm. And the eventually the takes a pillow, covers her face. We thought she was going to scream. So yeah, They're I like, did. not Carolyn. Carolyn doesn't show anything. So she just covers her face with it. She doesn't even do an abyss scream. She just covers her face. I'm like, Carolyn, you need to, you need to release what's happening in your body just so you don't have a fucking stroke, a heart attack, because all that tension is locked up inside your body. All right. And after this break, we finally get Dasha in the swimming pool. So she makes it up to the top after her laps. Here she is smoking her, her finest cigarettes. Yes. With her beautiful with her vintage gold Zippo lighter. She takes like two puffs or so, and here come some pumps. Some gorgeous red pumps walk up on her. They literally step to her face, and Dasha, we can tell from the immediate facial expression, which is new from Dame Harriet in this show, that she is shooketh, she is shocked, and she was like, why is red pumps here? And immediately I was like, ooh, boss lady, I'm standing boss lady. She seems scary and efficient and powerful, and that's hitting all of my kinks. 
Oh, and after that scene, we actually had a hard cut to outside right. whatever this place is. And so she's like, look, you have had hair. <laughs> <laughs> right. That's she, rude. She tries to put it down. She was like, I thought you said you had everything under control. She's like, no, no. I mean, I, I do. I, I did. I do. <laughs> she's like, I, she's like, look, I just, the, she, all right. She's a little skittish. She's a little skittish. All right. But I have it in hand. Well, her answer is I did. I do. I did, I did, and I do, past tense and present tense. And she's like, oh, if that's the case, then why is she running around London pursuing her little agent friend, you know, the one with the, um, the thing? And she, like, pats to her neck, and Dasha's like, turtleneck. turtleneck. And I just had to laugh because, you guys, I can't wear turtlenecks. I do feel like it's some level of an abomination on me, but it's mostly because my neck is really ticklish to the point of Candace cannot wear turtlenecks. Everyone who knows me can attribute to this. I literally cannot have fabric on my neck because I will start laughing uncontrollably and it's not fair that my body did this to me, but that's why I don't wear turtlenecks. It seems like Boss Lady doesn't wear them because she thinks of them as Villanelle does of Eve's two-piece, one-piece. Is the sweater attached to a shirt or what's going on here? Like, why is it? Is it sold like that? But now I just imagine like the 12 and in my mind, I'm like, can most of the 12 be women? Just like, can Raymond be the people underneath the women? And I just imagine them looking through the really thick, the really thick file of Villadelle and her fucking girlfriend and what she has been doing since series one. And they're like, yo, what is this? Like, this bitch is really good and talented, but this is... And she is chasing after this hoe with the turtlenecks. Oh, my God. You would think a bitch like this who loves couture would chase a bitch in couture. But she is chasing this woman in khakis and turtlenecks. And I am shocked. I am shocked at Villanelle's, at Villanelle's taste. This is wild. And then someone else is like, well, you know, it's the whole murder thing. Because we've been watching this Eve Palastri and we think that she, too, is a future murderer. So maybe if we can just arrange to, like, get them in at the same time, we can have a double murder thing. And then as long as they're together fixated, we can control what they do. But these, this is my mind experimenting with what the 12 is saying because everyone everyone knows about even Villanelle and I had said that I joked about it in the preseason snack I joked about it in terms of what Dasha said in the previous episode about like you've been manic for days like yo so uh have you been thinking about her like have you been thinking about her and we thought is she talking about Eve is she talking about Anna she's definitely talking about Eve so why does everyone of the 12 so you just have to understand what happened. That Villanelle and Eve were so ridiculously gay and messy that the whole of the crime syndicate has the file. It's like when Martin was doing the thing, you know, they have a whole right. presentation like this is Eve Pilastri. These are her turtlenecks. This is Villanelle. Now, um, exhibit A, Eve Pilastri <laughs> showed up in his bathroom. No, no fashion And sense. we have the security camera from the footage of the bathroom. And now watch as Eve Pilastri's just messing with her hair. And here's Villanelle fucked up right from the start. Fucked up from the start. <laughs> Look at her face. Now, this bitch is not supposed to speak to anyone. And what does she do? Wear it down. Wear it down. And this is the first step to Eve Blastry realizing a few episodes later, I think I've met her. I think, oh my God, I think I've met her. So I'm tickled to no end that the 12 and whoever else has this huge file and they've been discussing the gay messiness. And they're like, these fucking bitches, we just have to find a way to keep them away from each other because I just, like when they're together, when they're together, we don't know what's going to happen. And it's just, uh, I love it. I love that Suzanne has expanded this part of the 12 because I've felt and thought in my heart for a real long time. They have to know about Villanelle's fuck shit. They have right. to know. And so they've confirmed, yes, Candace, they know everything. Everyone in the 12 knows everything. So she's like, well, you're saying that you have everything under control, but it's not how it looks to us at all. Now you over here, you telling me Makes that you're sense. trying to get back to, to Russia. That's what you're trying to do. You're trying to be, oh my God. You're trying to be there where she everybody's so champion. She's like, <laughs> she like, you want to go where everybody knows your name? Dasha, Dasha, Dasha. Well, well guess what, bitch? You can't go. <laughs> guess what, bitch? 
You're not going anywhere until you do what I say. And I was like, girl, just put your pump on her. And now see, and that's that's where I go her to the bad face. place, but the good Dasha's place. Face. I was like, just just put your pump on Dasha's chest, boss lady. Please flushed. let me see it. She looked. She, she was looked, flushed. Right. She was flushed. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And guys, if you're wondering, and I'll probably just try to hold this till my muse, but if you're wondering if I already think that boss lady is more impressive and scary than Villanelle, you would be correct. Because I do. Mm. I do. Boss lady. Boss lady is Villanelle with concentration skills and control. Boss lady is Villanelle who knows how to be responsible and potentially has read more books, which, by the way, that's... I'm just saying boss lady's impressive. I'm just saying I would take a whole lot of stuff with boss lady because I want to know more about the lady in red because no, right. doesn't everyone think of, don't think we of deserve how it? We got introduced to all of these killers. We were like, well, I mean, if they wanted us to really think she was cool, they sh- should have showed us a cooler kill from the beginning. We're not even, we've not even seen this woman take anybody oh, out. Yeah, that's what we I said only earlier. see Dasha as shook as she is. That's why I said that- earlier is that they could have in- introduced Dasha like they did lady in red slash boss lady is that just from the very countenance just from the very energy that she's given off you're like she's expensive she's dangerous she's important Ooh, i like it and so i just i'm there and i'm just like can villanelle interact with her like can villanelle <laughs> right, like i'm already right. i'm already like can i get a choke scene a, a level up choke scene from what we got with with dame harriet with boss lady and where she's choking out Villanelle. And I just, like, I, I already told you, was it on the live where I did my fantasy where I was like, she's choking out Villanelle and Eve at the same time and she can handle them both? Right. This is oh. fan fiction. <laughs> I have delved into some other place. Um, <laughs> I'm sorry, but I just get really, really excited when dangerous women are afoot. We already know that Candace is already in the first army of whatever bitch decides that she wants to take the world by storm. And she's like, I'm recruiting. I'm there. I'm abandoning my life goals. And I pledged my life to follow some woman in battle because that's ultimately what I want to do. Hopefully, you know, past lives and future lives are a thing that I can get that version right. of jaunting in an army with a woman um, like Lady True. Just <laughs> I like bringing the- masonry across the lands. I like that the live you were like, well, could you imagine Villanelle being like pouty or like actually flat out saying no to like a direct order oh! and then she's over here like lady? right yeah she hems her up breaks her finger all in one go like like right real see, quick that's what i'm saying like i want to see her energy with a villanelle that was like raymond but when you don't make it raymond you make it her you remove the inherent misogyny right that comes with maleness and so just to see a bitch deal with a, a hard-headed petulant motherfucker like villanelle and hem her up just hem her up real quick Woo! not only would i have fun villanelle would have fun and she'd be like Ooh, you know yeah, what she bitch? would I'm trying to be a one woman woman at this time. And you're making it really hard, boss lady. Really hard. Oh, my God. She's like, get her line. Literally. She, Literally. And, then, and the, way she, the way she puts on her sunglasses. She was like, get her working without this extra curricula crap. Okay. Right. All right. And, and Dasha looks so shook. She's like, wait. She's uh, so shook. She's like, I can, I can kill Palastri. <laughs> and then she's over here like. She's like, oh, uh, no. 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 Don't do that. <laughs> And I love that they have enough files to know, no, if you kill Eve, if you kill her, the result that we will get from Villanelle is too far beyond what we can manage. No, you will not kill Eve Palastre. No. I just feel like the 12 has the footage from the ruins, from oh, the, ca- sure from the camera do. that we didn't know exists, where they literally watched the whole thing play. And they're like, this bitch is such, she's so gay and so emotional. What the fuck is this? I tell you, <laughs> these queers. <laughs> She's like, uh, just drive a wedge between them. You know, just, you know, use your imagination, whatever. And she leaves. And 
as her fault for not being more specific right. and direct with Dasha. Right. <laughs> because Dasha right. has her own Villanelle problems of not listening. So I guess we have to blame Boss Lady for this. But then at the same time, maybe this is Boss Lady's plan, her big plan. Because I assume that she's got plans like Carolyn. Inception plans, like plans inside of plans inside of plans for plans that we don't even understand. Oh, yeah. And then I think we cut to Nico, finally. Nico! Nico! Yes. Palastri arriving to... <laughs> to bring his daily breads to Milena. <laughs> And of course, the woman he sees is not his favorite customer. It's someone oh, else. Oh, I guess Milena was the name of this woman. Because I see it in my notes. I'm like, is this where Milena came from? Because I see it there. Yeah, I think that was probably the name of the woman. Dasha says her name in this scene. Like, oh, Milena, she's a little sick. She's in the hospital, but she's fine. And he's like, oh, okay. Let's band her back and forth in Polish a little bit. And she's like, yeah, yeah. Oh, look at you, handsome, handsome stash. Listen, could you do me a favor? Could you come <laughs> by? Could you come by? Maybe, like. I don't know. Take a look at this stable door, this door, the hinge. And he's like, oh, yes, of course, because I'm Nico and <laughs> trying to be a good fella. I'll come by tomorrow. OK. And I'll take a look at it. And then I believe we cut to Dasha feeding the chickens and walking into the pigsty. And she's like, no more food for you. Good piggies. And I'm like, oh, immediately. Right. I was like, gentlemen, Jack, gentlemen, Jack, gentlemen, Jack, she fed her. Sound she fed Milena. Yes, <laughs> she fed her to the piggies. And those pigs must have been full because there was a whole ass arm and wrist. Right. And I said, like, somebody you get need that. more pigs or something like, somebody get that right. somebody please get bury, that bury it or something. just do something with it we don't want to see it and after that we cut back to nico at the sports bar and that's when we were like yo what the fuck is happening with like, these time jumps this, time right. sideways jumps and so it's it, it's uh, it's dasha uh spying on nico ignoring text alerts from eve yes and i was living my <laughs> best life while he ignored those text alerts and he eventually leaves his phone unattended, right? And then she, like, scoots over. She's because like, I guess it's really easy to blend when you have a headscarf. And right. In Poland, you just blend with the other women. And I love the way that she was laughing. Like, like that's chaotic energy. She knew and she reminded this was pathetic. Right, she was like, I don't, I don't It was pathetic. And I'm glad she got a chuckle because we all did. We all deserve that chuckle over Eve's pathetic text. What I thought was ridiculous that she did not profile appropriately was how Nico would have actually responded but perhaps she correctly deduced that eve was so desperate that she wouldn't care that she would not see that this doesn't sound like you nico that this doesn't sound like anything you would ever say ever in the history of us knowing each other but i'm just gonna believe it because i'm so desperate to you wanting to forgive me or something like that that i will take whatever this is and good for dasha if she was able to read into that Lord, that photo, and then the only thing missing is you. Oh! I was like... Eve should have known then. She should have known then. She should have known then that it was bullshit. God. And after that, we cut back to Nico back at her farm, and he's looking at the door while Dasha looks on from a slight distance and is tying a note that says, still got it, onto a pitchfork. And initially you're like, "Mm, that doesn't look... That's probably something bad's gonna right. happen. That's I was like, that's that's too much in the the vein of sorry baby, this kind of note that's happening, but still got But that's see- that is literally why she did it. That's what I'm saying. They got the whole file, they got the whole dossier. They literally have everything from series one. They know that Villanelle gave her a note because how would they not know when they were monitoring Eve Palastri in a group and they literally sent what Villanelle sent her to CSI, whatever their CSI was, and remember Eve got it back and then she tried everything right. on. So this is they know. So if we're going to believe the 12 has some kind of connections, they know all this shit, which is why Dasha took the approach of writing the letter. But I'm still going to say Dasha fucked up because if she didn't copy Villanelle's handwriting, which she did not, I'm also going to say that Eve knows her girl. And she has been too obsessed with the kills to not know what a Villanelle kill looks like, which is why the minute Carolyn pulled the paprika murder out of the thing, she was like... (laughs) 
palpitation, excuse me. Mm -hmm. That's my girl. That's my girl. So I think that actually, even though we jumped ahead, that Eve will not believe this because something hopefully in her will be like, this doesn't feel like Villanelle because she innately knows what's Villanelle on top of the handwriting. And she's like, no, no, denied. Terrence, I've, Look at the sun's out, so I know oh, you about yeah. to get back to peak uh, yeah. clownery. Oh, right. What the I, fuck did you? What did she smell? The smell no, and no, then, no. This doesn't smell like this. First of all, hurt. Dasha does not have that scent. Villanelle has that scent to alter herself. Whatever that power scent is, she paid a lot of money for it. No one else is allowed to wear it except for maybe Eve. Right. So Eve reading the still got it or seeing it, smelling it, and like no, something's something's missing. But also, I just feel like the phrase "still got it." is not something Villanelle would say to Eve because every communication they have is laced with sexual tension and desire. So it's not just about the darkness and the murder. It's also about this desire that I feel like is in you. So for Villanelle to not be more cheeky in the note has got to be a red flag for Eve. That's what I'm believing until the writers show me that Candace, you got clown makeup contour, that she has to know that it's not her on top of the handwriting. She's seen the handwriting. She studied it. She has studied that handwriting. And realistically, she should be able to forensically take that note and her original note, sorry, baby, that is in her boudoir, potentially under her pillow, and compare it. <laughs> compare it. When one of those people that compares it's, it's in her sleeping bag. It like, is. Do, oh, <laughs> shit. Stuff behind the couch. I know it is. I know it is. So here's Dasha. Dasha is looking at Nico at the door, also looking at Eve, who showed up roll through big smiles in her new big, balances right Lord. looking foolish as hell so now dash is trying to get a better uh angle on the situation and she creeps up behind nico she's got the pitchfork and she just makes a clean she said right here do your next right i'm in your blind spot and then <laughs> right when he was about that advance Yo, another step. Dasha <laughs> is such a cold bitch. She said, I'm going to wait. I'm going to send these texts to give you hope. So you out here flying to Poland on your stolen petty cash with hope. And then you're going to have it up until the moment that you see Nico's confused face. And he's like, bitch, why is you here? And then literally you must watch the blood splatter. Now, here's what's interesting about this. And I'll just say a little piece now. So I know to go back for the musings, but I'm curious about how the writers will play this because we know what I think about dead bodies and how Eve doesn't recoil and stuff like that. And so even when we see Eve's reaction, which, okay, Sandra, oh, all right, you with your acting, because the emotion she goes through, like the, the processing and lack of processing that she is able to convey on her face where she's like, shock her senses are diminished but then it's also like no this has got to be a joke she fucking smiles in a moment she's like no and i'm just wondering if like if that is the weird darkness in her that found a bit of that funny in that moment do you know what i mean because she would look at villanelle's kills and be like that was clever that was kind of cool Ooh, that made me smile and so what if in this weird amalgamation of emotion she's feeling while watching nico go down part of it is entertainment And that would be something to further disgust herself, to be like, I got something out of watching you die, even though I didn't want to watch you die, but something about me did. And what the fuck? I'm thinking that I do love where you're going with that. And then I think a piece of my muse, uh, not to rival it, but would be near, you know, I made the choice to not try to solve the connection between Villanelle and this kill from 40 years ago. Mm. And if this turns out to be that Nico went down because of the killer that I chose not to pursue 40 it would be this would be her uncle Ben like how oh god no great power From comes Spider-Man. great right so like there was like some weird <laughs> uncle like um mugger that tried to run through and peter parker he didn't i know how him. uncle ben oh, okay. goes down right, they right. literally have told the right. uncle ben story like four times right. so i'm thinking so many times right this other killer from 40 years ago is like well you know if i would have just stuck to my guns and got to the bottom of you 
and got to figure out who you were. You know maybe... who the best Uncle Ben is? Sorry, Marissa Tomei. Like, I know she's technically not Uncle Ben because no, she's but like, you, but you, you get it. Yeah. Anyways. Yeah. Anyways. Sorry, that was side aside. <laughs> I like Marissa Tomei. I'm a fan. Okay, so yeah, I know we are going to have some intense things to muse about as it relates to Villanelle, Dasha, and Eve. Because it, until we see more stuff, I mean, I don't even know if we're going to play the preview this episode because it, it don't make no damn sense. Like we might yeah, just play it just just so you can be reminded of how it makes no sense, but we got nothing out of it. Right, we just know that Villanelle's there. She's with people who are related to her. It's a hot Weird podge. shit is happening. Yeah. Performances. Games, throwing of cow poo for some reason. And so we're just like, we'll just wait till we get to the episode and spend all of our time musing on other stuff that is intriguing, like the fact that Eve has had an earth shattering change and we have all been hoping and waiting and just meditating on what Eve could be like once Nico is actually fully out the paint. It is not connected to Villanelle. And even more so, Eve saw it. She saw it. And it's she more did. visceral than Kenny. Because she just saw a body out of her periphery and then Kenny's body. But this was, she saw the puncture moment. This is kind of like Villanelle throwing the babysitter, the peel babysitter into the street. Right. And so that's why I think it would present conflicting emotions for Eve because of her actual innate and deep curiosity for the murder. But also the fact that she was trying to hold on to Nico for herself. But again, I would say for selfish reasons. Because why she would try to reconnect with Nico when he was off by himself after fucking Raymond was like, the 12, we're going to tear you apart bit by bit. That's selfish. Because that's entirely for her. Because the whole time we have to Imagine Nico was like, I don't want you. I don't want this. I'm done. You hurt me. And here's Eve, relentless. That's a type of abuse. It when is. you won't leave somebody the fuck alone who is asking to please be left alone, whether you're married or not, that's fucking abuse. And I'm glad in that one article I've read that I'm sure we'll cover in the snack bite where Sally and Suzanne and a few other people were quoted talking, I believe EW, that that's part of it where they're like, Eve is a shitty fucking person and she's a shitty fucking spouse to Nico. And everything she does here is actually fucking selfish and somebody needs to fucking show her. And I hope she at least sees at the end that Nico would be alive had you left him the fuck alone. Nico would be alive had you left the 12 the fuck alone. And whatever bullshit you tell yourself, Eve, as to why you're back in it, just know it's because of Villanelle and the murder and the darkness that's within you. That's what I'm going with. Kyle Makeup Contour. Nearly just sent my Star Trek cup off the table, but I saved it at the last minute because I'm that amped up thinking about these fucking options. So, before we go to um, Villanelle, what what was your quick summation of Eve's reaction to the death? The way how we got... The stages that we saw. So, I I have no choice but to compare to where I immediately have just seen with these same effects being used. So when she learned Villanelle was alive. Right. When, mm. when, right. When, right. Right. So it's that's Eve going through that when she found Villanelle was alive. That was Villanelle going through it when Villanelle found out that Eve was alive. Right. And it's like, okay, Constantine, you're talking, but you're not talking because you're not even here. Everybody, everything is gone. It's just me wrapped up in myself trying to plot my next course and as soon as I steady my heart and commit to a decision then everything comes back into focus it's like well no 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 don't touch me I'm fine I know what to do now and so hopefully this is Eve committing to a course of action I hope it's not actually sorry not to cut you off but I was just thinking of that scene we saw in the in one of the earlier teasers where we know that Eve is confronting Dasha in a moment in a bowling alley and she's like up for a game I thought in that clip, and it was hard to really tell or get a true vibe, but I was like, there's a different vibe with Eve in that clip. It's a type of, 
aggressive vibe that I feel like I hadn't seen. And I was curious about where that was, which is why some people are like, oh, maybe it's Villanelle. And then more scenes, you're like, oh, it's Dasha and that thing. That I hope that whenever this scene comes to play, that Eve has some clues about what's going on. And just, oh, just yes. a, she's already being a fucking bastard with everybody at the Bitter Pill and rude and shit. Just imagine the version of Eve Palastri that will emerge now that Nico's gone. The oh. last person who knew anything about her decency, anything about whatever life she fucking had with Elena and Bill and college and fucking friends that come over to play bridge. It's done. It's over. That's the last remnant. Because now Eve Palastri is the Eve Palastri she introduces to the Jamies and the bears of the world who are like, ooh, you've had better days, my dear. <laughs> the scary part is, even though like Carolyn may take another L, I think that Carolyn, once she sees Eve get on her jaunt, is going to be like, well, I could use you when I could use you, but I'm not going to hunt for you. For the murder. Right, but yeah. I'm not going to hunt you for these crimes because you know what? These I benefited from these. I benefited from and these I'm crimes. Let I'm you... good with these right. crimes. But, like Aaron Peel. Like, right. did, did he end up dead? Well, that's... Right. That's all right. But then there'll be a Jamie where it's like, I can't let you get away with this Eve. God, you just want to troll me and cause me just strife with Jamie. You know, I hate, I hate is a strong word. You're better I really than this, dislike Eve. Jamie. You're better than this. Take a look inside yourself. It's about choices, Eve. Think about what you'll become. Like, I just, I see him being that person. No, I know. He is, they're trying to make him the asshole moral compass, and I'm right. over it. I'm over right. it. Right. Because he's a dude. Like, give it to boss lady. And she doesn't look like she has many morals, and I love it, but still, give it to boss lady. And then I think, okay, after this, we are finally to the end of the episode, right? Because Villanelle. Right. She is, gets a title she's card. She's disobeyed Dasha. She's right. completely disobeyed Dasha. And her title card says home. And I'm like, where are, where are you? Mother Russia. <laughs> presumably, presumably I was like where are you how how dare you and then it's, but the title after you get the title card we get the credits and I'm like really we that's do. how y'all that, no, they, they played us <laughs> this whole episode was all over the place with the editing they were like we're gonna fuck you up all the way up and then that's it we know that Villanelle's home she looks kind of cute and plaid and a book bag and a turtleneck and a turtleneck <laughs> I said is this the fuck with Dasha and Boss Lady because you know they're looking at the satellite images right now like what they're is like, this we told this bitch to stay in why Spain she got all we told this bitch to stay in Barcelona why is she over here God Dasha can't you do anything right she's like I don't I tried I tried okay I killed Palastri the other one <laughs> Lord <laughs> And uh, and then it's the end. It's the end. Villanelle is walking off to see her motherfucking family, whatever that is going to be like. And we are left to ponder the realities. I guess we will pull up the preview really quick to confound and confuse audio wise on here before we close out. All right, guys. So here is the preview. Um, well, the one we have so far for Killing Eve episode five. What are you doing? Having a moment. <laughs> her Open fucking brother. I know a killer. When More turtlenecks. She's a killer. There's <laughs> so many turtlenecks. You blow your mind. Why do you come always? Okay, so it's the dance ta talent show thing. So that ridiculous laughing is clearly from there and not from Eve's apartment. And I feel like the hiccup thing has got to be because she loses them while she's there. Or maybe they go away the minute she sees somebody. And so the episode title is, Are You From Pinner? Right. We knew that because we said it in one of the previous snacks. I just, I guess I blocked it or something. The sun is out. You know how our brains, well, oh, at least my brain. Well, yes. Yes. Your brain and also mine. But Are You From Pinner? 
Right? That's what you said? Yeah. Okay. So, obviously, the town Villanelle is from. And, well, guys, you will hear from us in the snack more about it. But we are, as we said, it's a, it will be an interesting episode. I'm just excited to see Villanelle on her manic panic gay pixie bullshit because she looks like she's on another level. Another level. Because, theoretically, she doesn't know anything's gone wrong with Eve. She thinks everything's going right. They had a kiss. The mustache is gone. And she has what she wants, which is information about her family still constantly she got that really fast and according to dasha everything's happening on the keeper shit so right now villanelle should potentially be the happiest she's been ever or at least in a long time because she's theoretically getting everything she wants which is why i think the assholes will snatch away from her in episode six and seven to break my heart because like i said ultimately what i feel like is motivating villanelle about this family shit is a profound loneliness that perhaps felt like boredom before she met eve and after eve it's loneliness Oh, I know I'd be taking you into the dolefuls every time right. I'm close up my things, like, but it's how I feel. I feel like, you know, one of those things where you can jaunt alone and you're jaunting alone and you're like, I'm good. And perhaps this is preferred. And then you meet that one person that is intrinsically feels intrinsically connected to you in every way that you can be connected to a person. And then they're gone and you're supposed yeah, to return weird. to life. Right. No, as it was. I agree. So this is how I see Villanelle and Eve and why she's exploring these other things that she ultimately had no interest in as far as we knew prior to Eve, because it would make sense for her to have no interest. But if we go with this idea that it is Eve responsible for, you know, creating a wide awake version of Villanelle, then the loss of Eve and the loss of what she thought she understood with Eve would send her into a crisis, regardless of how far on the sociopathic or psychopathic spectrum she was. So anyway, that's it. I just, I, yeah. You guys have thoughts and theories and queries? Send those in, motherfuckers, because I have a lot. And I'm really curious as to where everyone thinks this stuff can go. We are halfway through this season. We are right. halfway, 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 Mark. It is May. It is actually the month of May. It's going to be May. That's where we are in May. It's wild. This is two months into the Rona. And uh, right. I still can't believe it. A little bit. We have, I don't know if we can do, we should, or maybe we can. Some of the highs. That oh, okay. So we could do that. Okay. Uh, from the listeners who are on the live. Right. From the, uh, from the so listeners who run, run down. The highs that uh, were definitely shouted out was the garden scene with the weird uh, mm-hmm. laughing music and the choke, the garden hose. It was cute and weird <laughs> and lovely all at the same time. And of course we got Nico with the pitchfork in the neck. Nico. Uh, we got Villanelle jumping up and down on the... By the way, that was Ghost Gemma. Nico, join me. It's like, I don't even want you in this afterlife, Gemma. Oh, I'm so rude. I'm so rude. Gemma doesn't deserve that. Your face looks different without a mustache, Nico. Nico, I told you to leave that hole alone. Lord. Um, it's uh, Villanelle jumping up and down on the, the, the tram, I want to call it. What do you call that? The skyline? I said cable car. Oh, I'm not a... But I'm also, a, it's probably a lot of things, like a tram, like whatever people decide to call it. Um, We got, of course, the red pumps. I'm sorry, were these the highs or the lows? Highs? These are the highs. Oh, who said red pumps? <laughs> who said red pumps? God, I'm going to have to listener go back after there. my own heart. Right, oh, well, right, right. right I'll, in, I'll red it. pumps. Right. You, listener, who said red pumps was my shit. Hey, we are twinsies on that. That is uh, my fucking high. Actually, sorry, I know Terrence trying to go through the list. I just have to say that my high of meeting boss lady slash red pumps is better. It is more satisfaction than Nico's death, which is wild to me. Mm. But I am so much more excited about what she could represent for the 12 and the future of the organization and what we know that it supersedes my need to see Nico go down. Because I will say preemptively that my low, my low was seeing Sandra O's fucking smile as Eve. That was the low. I was like, girl, this is rock bottom because I'm so sick of you lying to yourself like this. 
Jesus. Right, her talk about it's all about choices. <laughs> Stealing money from the bitter pill to the pay to Poland. I was like, why Lord. are you here? E, right? Why? Why are you here? When I saw the With messages that, grin. that you got on your phone, now I'm, I'm imagining you seeing his photo going, the only thing missing is you. And you're over here trying to solve a murder. You're like, nope, never mind. I'm hanging it up. I'm, nope. But doesn't this also play into Eve the narcissist? Right, just no. like Villanelle? No, yes. Because she's like, you're telling me what I want to hear that I'm not even going to logically deduce why this would make any sense. I just feel like a regular person would be like, Nico's trying to lure me to kill me. You know what I mean? Like, Anything, he wants me to come right. back here. Just like, get me or something or serve me weird papers or this kidnap is, me. I don't this know. This isn't even Nico's cadence. And our relationship is one of a lot of sarcasm. Like, that's what they, right, that's no, their right, thing. Right, right, right. So again, this is Eve's gauchery. It is her bad, and this is why she must suffer before hopefully hashtag Dark Eve Rising. But yes, please finish the highs and lows of the listeners. Oh, the um the last high that was mentioned was Irina and her clap back to Papa Constantine saying, you know what? Irina is an icon and a legend. And I'm gonna have to also co-sign with that high because she said, you know what? There were people who were afraid because child actors that grow up, maybe they don't have the same charm, maybe they don't have the same cuteness. But guess what? What I may lack in, I don't know, youth, I guess, even though she's still a child actress, I, I make up for it in my brains. And guess what? In my intelligence, I was like, you know what? I'm gonna need you to talk to me in Sanskrit. Oh, you don't got time to study to keep up with me? Your Yo, Adina is such a boss. She said in another <laughs> language, ho, in a dead language. <laughs> I hope you know one day Red Pumps is gonna come knock on my door and be like, you know what? Red Pumps I is see, already there. Red some, Pumps is grooming right, her right now. Right. I, I see something in you. Red I Pumps. See, I see that you um. You you got a lot going on. You got a lot upstairs. Yeah, a lot happening for you. You already speak like six languages. Right. I love that. I, I I may need you overachiever. To... Right, right, right. Because that's essentially when you catch a villanelle when they are actually still an adolescent. Right, and you then then you have the actual training that you really want, like a, a Natasha type of training, atomic blonde kind of training. So I mean, best of luck to Constant and whatever he's trying to do. I hope he does have a plan. I don't know what that is. And those were all of the highs. Um, I'm going to probably share your low and say that I'm doing it for love or whatever oh. Eve was doing. <laughs> whatever that is. It's and about that's probably choices, be my low. Jamie. Right. Sorry. That voice I do is just a, the voice of the voice of despair. Whenever I see Eve on her head nonsense. On the last laurels of her head nonsense. Holding on for dear life. Good Lord. And whoever said that cake went down just like Kenny did off the top of that oh, roof. I think that was rude. Lauren. Lauren, was that you? I feel like that was you, Lauren. I feel like that was you that said, wow, look at that cake going down just like Kenny. And I was like, you didn't have to do me like that. You so didn't have rude. to do me like that. Were there any lows you wanted to share from the listeners or did you? Oh, um, and I no, too busy yelling. I, I think besides the commercials, the only the only low was, was Eve doing it for love. For everybody? <laughs> yeah. You know what? I'm glad we are all on the same page there. Just one big killing you family of misandry. That was like, you they guys seem get like it, they, and I love it. There's more commercials than last week. Like, I don't know. If they might have been, I don't know. There was a long, long commercials. A long commercial about um, something gay. Make it uh, gay. Make it gay. <laughs> make it gay. Sorry. Sorry. All right. Well, before Terrence does his rundown, I just want to give a quick hello, a shout out, and thank you to every last one of you guys who joined us for the live this past Sunday and also for all the other lives in the previous Sundays. We so enjoy spending time with you guys, especially in these Rona teen times where really we're not getting outside the house unless we are doing these Killing Eve related stuff. Hopefully, gentlemen, Jack Crack really soon with everything finally working really itself soon? out. And so we just want to say thanks 
for spending time with us, um, all of our OGs, all of our old school people. My brain is literally fricasseeing right now, or I would say more names. What comes to mind? I'm like, Dr. Theora, so Saudia, Rayan, Lauren, Captain Wonder, other people. Look, don't, just, I, I feel like a dick already because I'm like, what happened? You're the tired. sun is up. You our brains sun. are, are it's, melting. It's sun. The sun is doing that thing. But I just want to say, from the bottom of our hearts, we so appreciate your support. And for all the new people who recently discovered us because of our ridiculous reaction, hey, hey. And we hope you enjoyed the first live that you were a part of. And don't make it your last live. Don't make it your last live. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> <laughs> all right. A reminder that you can reach out to us at hey, you guys, all one word at wellwellvillanelle.com. Our Insta is wellwellvillanelle. And our Twitter, if you are about it, about it, is wellvillanelle. As you know, we're recording out in New York City, which is essentially like trauma level one. It's hot mess. Yes. People are dying every day and it's crazy. And hopefully we will get to the point where we can get testing. For all New Yorkers. I'm saying. I don't know it's taking so long. Gosh. Uh, If you can, support our Patreon and our coffee. We got a new thing. Uh, Yeah. Someone recommended it today. We we learned a thing. Coffee? Coffee. Coffee. So it's K-O-F-I. Right. See, that's not right. K-O-F-I. Uh, forward slash misandry you can't you miss bitches us. already know <laughs> already you can't miss us um you know and every little bit you know goes a long way it helps us with our conversion from public to private transportation as well as other upkeep fabric and materials for all of the items that we do give away because we like to give away things we will have a merch shop for things when uh we will have a merch shop for things. We we have a we have we have we have a merch a shop. Thing. It's in the redesigned thing, right? Because we need to figure out how to put the new things on the thing and right. stuff, right? So <laughs> for all those who were like, oh, "What? I, how do I get a Believe in Villeneuve shirt soon?" Right, merch a property is of Villeneuve on the way. soon. You the the greatest amount of diversity of product or merch will exist for the U.S. just because it's easier to ship to the U.S. We have had intense gosheries trying to ship things to the U.K. God, things have been lost, never to be found. I mean, I'm so glad that someone somewhere has our merch, but the intended parties did not receive them. So that's unfortunate. But yeah, we will have that all figured out soon enough. I was about to do a thing. What was I about to do? I was about to, oh, just say thank you, we love you, and thank you, we love you, and... Thank you, and we love you for your continued <laughs> our, support. My our brain's brains gone. are broken. I already okay. know when we listen back to this, we'll be like, oh my God. Groceries! So, once Groceries. again, send, um, sending out an extra special thank you and to say that we love you and thank you for your support. Special shout out, of course, to all the essential workers who listen to the podcast. You guys are the best. Hopefully, we're staying as safe as you possibly can. Keep doing what you're doing because we can't do what we do without, without you. you. For real. All right, guys, until the snack episode, here's hoping you get killed by a woman. And you guys, you guys, Miko is fucking dead. Miko is fucking dead. This clears the way for Melanie and Darky Rising. You heard it here first, motherfucker. I am so happy you found the page. Goodbye, y'all. Bye. It's like totally murder.